Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. People did go kind of crazy on this. They were saying, oh, journalists shouldn't be shopping with candidates or they shouldn't be doing these kinds of activities. Casey Hunt points out nobody seemed to have a problem when Scott Walker, as a candidate, was motorcycle riding or Mitt Romney was riding jet skis on vacation or skeet shooting with Lindsey Graham. I mean, John Kerry sailboarding. What about what about this? Well, Kamala has three strikes against her. Uh, She's a woman. She's black. She's an African-American. Uh, and she's a front runner, so she's getting a lot of these shots early. But I, I think it's ridiculous. From uh, Medicare for all, how to how to deal with with health care. Where do you see the Democratic field sort of shaking out in that way? And does it? I mean, is it shaking in a direction that helps the party or not? Uh, it's somewhere to the left of Che Guevara, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know, I, the, as the, as Donald Trump makes it extremely hard to think about supporting somebody like that. I find the Democrats have done an outstanding job of making it hard for a lot of moderates to support anything. I, personally, the idea that uh, I could ever support a candidate who was for the Green New Deal, well, that will never happen. That could never happen. The Green New Deal concentrates power in the hands of the Washington elite in the way nothing has done since World War II. It would literally have Washington uh, planners taking over the energy business, taking over the transportation business so no planes are... And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 20th of February, year of our Lord, 2019. I just thought that was pretty good to start off our thing with David Brooks, who, you know, they call him a conservative, but he's literally uh, pretty much a liberal. And him saying how far extreme the left has gone. Yeah, so... That's uh, it's a good way to start off a show, because it's pretty far. We're going to do some more Smollett today, more McKay, more 2020. But I wanted to start with more fake. Before we even get into the Smollett, with a lot of sound bites today, 2020 section is pretty much just sound bites. I got a montage of just crazy shit from, you know, bread lines are good to... Everybody coming up with the how far left can I say things, especially Kristen Gillibrand, who's losing to Oprah, you know, Oprah's chick. I mean, it's it's pretty sad for her. So, you know, she's trying everything to get on the map somehow, and she really can't because she's just too white. I mean, let's be honest. For the left, she's just too white. And, and she's trying all these things. They're just not sticking. So, um, But our Andy NGO, he started it. And within it, I find um, that there's actually a site now for fake hate crimes. And we're going to go over it really quick. It goes all the way back to 2012. And right before I start, I wrote a long montage to my son who sent me a comment from a liberal on a thread about how this Jesse Smollett thing's falling apart. And when I get done, him and a few other people like it, you know, the younger kids, which kind of surprised me. But I tried to, dep- tried to post the fake new, fakehatecrimes.org. And wouldn't you know, Facebook blocked it, said forbidden, unable to load. 
which prompted me to do another comment with, you know, well, goddamn, it's right, you know, Zucker and company, they, they're, they're, no, we're not going to let this thing go viral. But anyway, I'm digressing again. Um, he started this thread, a lot of people shared it, and it goes a little something like this. Right after Donald Trump's election, the SPLC really stoked panic. A pro-gay Episcopal church in Indiana was vandalized with Heil Trump, a swastika, and an anti-gay slur. Turns out it was gay organ player who did it. Um, he only got a misdemeanor. After the Pittsburgh massacre, Trump supporters were blamed for Nazi vandalism at a Brooklyn synagogue and fires a Jewish. Turns out to be a gay black guy. We covered that one. One week before the presidential election, a black church in Mississippi was burned in an arson attack. Vote Trump was written on the building. After much panic, an investigation revealed the man responsible for the church was a member. And, of course, you know, the media didn't report that. Uh, in 2016, a Muslim student at the University of Louisiana had two white racist Trump supporters brutally assaulted her, ripped off her job, and robbed her. The story went viral. It was a lie. A media never identified her by name after the hoax was revealed. Uh, another one, I remember Trump and his supporters were blamed for a spate of anti-Semitic KKK and Nazi graffiti on campus in Nassau Community College in Long Island. The student responsible was Jasmine Sa'ani. Uh, Muslim. In December 2016, a Muslim woman said she was attacked by three white Trump supporters in New York City on the subway, so they tried to rip off her job. Yasmin Sweeled lied, care, said Muslims are under tremendous stress and pressure, resulting in incidents like this. Yeah, that's what they said. In September 2018, a black woman in Long Island said Trump supporters confronted her and told her she didn't belong. Her car tire was slashed. The next day, a hateful note was left behind saying, go home. Adwala Lewis just made it up. November 2018, students at Goucher College demanded social justice training and safe spade after racist Nazi and KKK graffiti was found on campus. Someone even wrote the names of black students. Trump was blamed. Finn Arthur, a black student, did it. Uh, St. Olaf College was roiled in 2017 by mass protest response to anti-black notes found across campus. Class was canceled. Admin caved to demands. An investigation found that Samantha Wells, a black woman, um... Made it up. In 2016, a Philadelphia neighborhood was rattled when property was vandalized with pro-Tump and anti-black message. William Tucker was identified as a vandal. He was black. November 2016, a black female student at Vanilla Villanova U and PA said a group of white men yelled Trump, knocked her to the ground on campus. However, a police university investigation was halted because the student didn't want to pursue the matter. It was found out she made it up. November 2017, near K-State University, a black man's car was vandalized with racist message. Class was canceled. Student held demonstration. Darius Williams later admitted to the police he did it himself. Black man. In autumn 2018, K-State U, a note was left on the apartment, read, beware, N-word, live here. Knock at your own risk. The victim admitted the police that she did it, she, he did it himself, because he was a trans person. University admission student Haley Bass told police a Trump supporter attacked her by scratching her face in November, said she was targeted for wearing a pin, supporter UK, remain, as her story fell apart, she admitted scratching herself. I mean, she literally was all in. I mean, she hurt herself. It's unbelievable. Who remembers when Trump was blamed for the spate of death threats to Jewish community centers across the U.S.? Juan Thompson, a reporter who worked for The Intercept, was convicted for the hoax. 2016, Muslim student in Michigan claimed she was attacked by a white man who, start, who threatened to burn her job. 
It never happened. Care said the attack is just the latest anti-Muslim incident reported since the election of Donald Trump. One day after 2016 election, Alicia Long, a student at BGSU in Ohio, said the white males wearing Trump shirts threw rocks at her and hurled racial slurs. Legends and it sparked rage on campus. Long made it all up. On election night, Canadian Chris Ball said he was beaten by anti-gay Trump supporters in Santa Monica. His friend shared a photo on social media. Notice the immaculate watch. Police said he never filed a report and he didn't go to any hospitals in the area because he made it up. It was on The Advocate. Gay man brutally attacked by Trump supporters on election night. Charlotte, 2017 April. Curtis Flournay, Flournoy set an immigrant business on fire and left notes saying Trump is our nation builder for white America. When CCTV showed the perpetrator was black, some sites said it was white Trump supporter in disguise in blackface, even though Democrats are in blackface. November 2016, students at William College dumped fake blood on campus and wrote Am. A.M. KKK kill. Campus police notified FBI and state police. Investigation found the perpetrator did it to bring attention to the effect of the presidential election. They were a person of color. November 2016, Chicago. Tyler Voke, a bisexual student at MPU, said she received hateful pro-Trump anti-gay message. This is a countrywide epidemic. All of a sudden, she said at the time, she fabricated it. 2016, a message was written at Elon University that read, Bye Bye Latinas, Hasta La Vista, Baby. Students raged, saying the campus was unsafe and racist. Investigation found that a Latino student wrote it as commentary on the election. Two students at Babson drove through campus waving flag to celebrate election. Pierce said they spat on someone, yelled racist and anti-gay slurs. This was a lie, but everyone believed it. They were kicked out of fraternity. Investigation cleared them of wrongdoing. November 2016, Delaware, Ashley Boyer, who is black, said four white racist males threatened her. She said charges were filed. When social media posts went viral, Smyrna police announced that the incident was never reported. Boyer didn't respond to journalists because she made it up. After the election, a banner in East Bay area sparked fury. It read, you can hang a blank word, N-word, from a tree, equal rights, he'll never see. People feared this was a Trump's America sign. The man who put up the sign is black. After the election, Katie Two, student at UM News, said she was attacked by racist white male in viral Facebook posts. She said she fought back and was handcuffed by police. Students demanded campus suspend racist. Campus police said they never interacted with two. That was the one we covered. It was just made up. November 2016, a man in Maldana, Massachusetts, told police he was confronted by two racist white males who made a reference to lynching and said it's Trump country. He fabricated the whole story. Does that sound familiar? Huh. That was the second hoax in two years. In autumn 2018, at K-State U, a note was left on the apartment. read, beware, blank. Okay, he repeated himself. Indiana church vandalized with slurs. That one broke out. It was wrong. Heil Trump found to be a hoax. That's just a recent one. It was wrong. Kansas man said he defaced his own car with racist slurs. A man who defaced his own car with racist graffiti filed a false police report to Riley County Police Department will not face charges. Demarius Williams. 
Man accused of pulling a gun on a victim wearing MAGA hat. A Tennessee man is in jail after being accused of pulling a gun on Sam's Club customer Saturday. According to police report, officers were called to Sam's Club due to a person with a gun. According to alleged victim Terry Pierce, a man pulled a gun on him because he was wearing a Make America Great hat. I have as much right to wear that hat and support my country as my president as he has not to, he said. Uh, it was a white guy. It was forty caliber. It just happened last weekend. The media did not cover it. Robbie Starbucks covered it. A man shopping with his wife at Sam's Club in Kentucky Saturday says he has a gun pulled on him from wearing a mega hat. Witnesses backed him up, and the suspect was arrested. I wonder if hoaxes like Jesse Smollett hoax inspire more of this violence. Want some more? Here's another one. Conservative students received death threats for wanting to build the wall, a YAF chapter, set it up, put it online. These are the tweets. Whichever one made the sublime posters getting 25, 27 of those bullets. Another one, if you go to Oz and you haven't violated the table as yet, you pussies. And Playboy Da Billy, actually got the tweet. Somebody should boomed at ya, niggas with the Ness, with guns. They weren't suspended. Kavanaugh accuser admits, I made up claims of sexual assault to get attention. Judy Monroe Lighton. And then the Knight Samalette was supposedly lynched. This is what really happened. Uh, so hoax. The same night, a Jewish man in New York was beaten by three thugs. Nothing was stolen. The attack was actually caught on video. A Jewish man brutally beaten last night in Brooklyn. Nothing stolen. Anti-Semitism alive and well in New York City. Time for a hard look at who is doing it and its cause. This has been going on in New York long before Charlottesville or 2016. Just ask anyone visibly who is Jewish. This isn't the only story of anti-Semitism in New York, not by a long shot. Two weeks before that beating, a Jewish man, 19, was violently assaulted as he walked past a local laundromat by a group of teenage black males. In December, a 16-year-old Jewish teen spent a week in the hospital after being beaten by two other teens. Witnesses said that the teen screamed, kill the Jew. The NYPD categorized the attack as a gang-related rather than a hate crime, angering the Jewish community. This weekend, vandals shattered the window at Shabbat and Bushwick as the rabbi and his family slept inside. Yeah. Ben Shapiro did a long segment on this. There's actually quotes from the New York Times saying we don't cover this on the front page because it doesn't fit our narrative, which really means... They worded it as it doesn't fit a pattern. What the fuck does that mean? There's been a pattern. We've reported it on the show. African Americans are beating the fuck out of Hasidic Jews. Nobody cares. Because it doesn't fit the agenda. Six illegal immigrants linked to Mexican cartel arrested in North Carolina for drug trafficking Operation officials say body cam footage shows ISIS suspect being shot by Arizona police officer because he pulled out a gun that he's not supposed to have. That's a double whammy. Because remember, they're just peaceful people. All these immigrants, 
You're a racist if you say anything else. House Democrats, no ICE alert if illegals fails gun background check. They wrote it in. So if they try to get a gun and it pops, no. American ISIS bride who called her terror attacks at Memorial Day Parade begs U.S. to let her go back to Alabama. That's the other big story from them. Nobody's doing it. And while all this is going on and we got all these fake crimes and yada, 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 it's going down in Washington, D.C. Monday where progressive groups of all stripes are un- uniting under the abolish police stop MPD hashtag. An activist member-based organization of black 18 to 35-year-old dedicated to creating freedom of justice for all black people through a black queer feminist lens. BYP 100. Never heard of it. Monday, February 18th, 10th Street in New York, 12 p.m. Chance Circle, 12.30 March. Some of their signs and posts, none of us are free until all of us are free. Stop arresting sex workers. Until all our families are safe together, we will organize, take the street, and fight back. Until our community is free from cages and police violence, we'll fight for protect each other. Pictures of abolish the police. Nobody covered it. Shug Bavery. Black women in D.C. just shut down a major intersection at 7th and H. Northwest to declare no borders, no walls, no cages. We'll separate our community and demand a stop to border wall and D.C.'s investment in policing over people. Yeah. That's great. The Climate Justice Alliance tweeted, Climate justice and racial justice are intertwined. While climate change knows no boundaries, communities of color are hit first and worse. We need de... de carbonization, but also strategies to decolonize, detoxify, demilitarize, degentrify, and democratic, get democratize our community, black lives, DMV black lives. So I guess climate change is racist too. Cops don't keep us safe. We keep us safe. Abolish police. Free black futures. These are all signs. Rise up and fight back. Yeah. But then Ryan Fortier starts our greatness of the peaceful left that somehow nobody reports, just like the man with the gun in Tennessee. It doesn't make as much media as Smollett does. Here's a Vans employee losing it on a hat, tra- uh, mega hat person. The trans guy who lost it because he was misgendered and screamed and yelled. Yet he's got a fucking rap video. And the persistent, who I follow, Scott Pressler, a gay man. I was out with my Trump sign when three men threw a projectile at me from their car. I stayed calm as they approached me and insulted me for being gay. This is a hate crime. When they go low, we vote. This did not make the media. What? I, I was told. I was told. You touched my child. 
I'm not touching him. Let's him. go. Let's find your hey, manager now. Alright, one second. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. My son walked into the store. That gentleman first told him, take off your hat. He said nothing to him. 14 year old child. Then he said, F you to my son. My son said nothing to him, did nothing. That is a disrespectful punk right there. He did nothing. Y'all bigots and critics, I got a thing or two to say to you So give this chick a minute, I'ma take the mic away from you And got a thing to prove, while millions of people talking shit Watch it tip the game, stop it, straight off the shit Intentionally misgendered once, you're gonna get corrected Do it twice, I'm disrespected, three times and I get aggressive But the fourth to a sticker, mean a fifth or summon demons And a bitch is picked to scream, so even I'm fire breathing Cause the sisters isn't seeing how it feels when they attacking us And most don't even see it when they feed us till they fracture us Until we crack and bust, the ashes dust, you fucking laugh at us you just continue coming after us just to damage us We're bitch, we're fucking fabulous Ready to chop ahead of three And put an end to teams that maliciously misgender If you're gonna throw things at me At least do a better job, come on Why are you attacking a gay man? Why are you attacking a gay Trump supporter? I'd like to know You threw something at me I did you did? Yeah, someone from my car, absolutely. I sure do. I am a gay man that supports Donald Trump. Well, actually, one thing that he launched today is Richard Grinnell, our U.S. ambassador. He launched a global campaign to end decriminalizing homosexuality across the world. I think that's a great thing. Do you think that gay people like me should be thrown off of buildings because I was born homosexual? Okay, so here we have three African-Americans that hate gay people. Interesting. This is the Democrat party right here, guys. This is the Democrat gay-hating party. You know I have 268,000 followers, right? You guys about to go viral. You guys about to go viral. You guys about to go viral. You about to go viral. Good. 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 Oh no, I got it all. I got it all. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. When he gets reelected in 2020, I want you to think of me. When he gets reelected, I want you to think of me. When he gets reelected, think of me. Not convinced that the left's fascists and it's not the right. Group of protesters walked back to the National Border Patrol Museum over the weekend, plastering stickers all over the displays of names of the fallen Border Patrol agents, as well as other museum exhibits. An area meant to honor U.S. Border Patrol agents was plastered with stickers by protesters on Saturday afternoon. On Monday, the museum allowed cameras to enter the various exhibits to see the damage. They were asked repeatedly to leave and not protest, and they did not. They scared the visitors that we had. We have a memorial service out here every year at the end of May. And this last May, we had about 30 family members that came here and visited the room. And they reminisced about the fallen hero for them to face it like that is just beyond the pale. Every one of them wore masks, which makes me ask, if you're really so proud of what you're doing, why do you wear a mask? 
quick, 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 quick. Doubters, fakehatecrimes.org, F-A-K-E-H-A-T-E-C-R-I-M-E-S.org. Ten pages going back to 2012. First page alone has 28. Smollett, uh, <clears throat> outburst of hate against a group of white school children. It's on YouTube. Seven-year-old black girl was shot dead in Houston. The media claim was a hate crime. We covered that one. Mid-November, Drake University told students officials that it received four racist notes. Fake. Lacrosse players. Um, it is it is very much a white person issue that we need to tackle a white people and speak out against. Uh, non-white students linked to racist graffiti in a high school. That's false. Um, Air Force Academy. False. Uh, Kansas State, false. We, we go to the next page. I mean, this just goes on. There's 10 pages of it. These are all bullshit stories. So when I said there's been over 20, it's actually wrong. There's more. Uh, George Washington University, false. New York man admits to painting swastikas on his own home. Victim who told police he was stabbed due to neo-Nazi haircut was lying. 
City report debunked news allegation in Oakland. Trump is ignoring the Minnesota Moss bombing. I mean, this shit just goes on. Racist note in Loudoun County restaurant bill is fake. Hate crime hoax alert. Capital University student admits to fabricating several events. So there's, all in all, since 2012, there's 350 fake accusations or fake hate crimes in the age of, well, it's, you know, this is all going up because the president's black. It's all going up because Trump's a racist. These are all bullshit. It's not going up. We showed the numbers. It's not true. For either one of those reasons, it's actually going down since 2011. But, you know, there's there's no way to get through our media. When it's real shit, they don't cover it. When it's real accusations, they don't cover it. Which, before we go into the last few things and actually get into our segment, we have an Oregon bill that's being pushed, and then we have a soundbite from Laura Logan that's just fantastic. This is an op-ed I wrote. Goes a little something like this. The media and Democrats have been able to say since Obama hate crimes are going up during Obama because of racists, during Trump because of racists and homophobes. Yet since 2011, gay and black hate crimes have gone down in about 200 cases year on year. Not much, but down. While anti-Semitism crimes have gone up, but not from white nationalists, actually from intersectional allies. They don't report that. So back-to-back, they malign Catholic pro-life kids and anyone who voted for Trump of being anti-Native American and then anti-black and gay. Media Democrats in Hollywood run with it. No facts needed. No actual intellectual honesty that at 2 a.m. in negative 20, a liberal town probably didn't have two mega-hat-wearing homophobes. Nope. Fit the agenda. So they ran with it. Juno actor actually does fake crying speech on Colbert. Watched a zillion times because it fits the agenda. All fake. So many fake hate crimes. There's a site, fakehatecrimes.org, which, like I said, doesn't load on Facebook, and you can't even put it up there, documenting the hundreds of fake accusations made since 2012 that the media report then never recant, which found to be a useful tool for gay or person of color to not get in trouble for curfew or some other useless reasons. None of them are perp walk for breaking the law, but all the while, kids with MAGA hats get beat down. Just recently, man pulls gun on MAGA hat wearers. It doesn't make national news because it doesn't fit the political agenda to get Democrats in power. Reality is, I don't like Trump. I voted against HRC, but the overriding theme since 11-9-16 is Trump and his voters are all fascist, racist, sexist, homo-transphobe, xenophobes. But it appears to me with Antifa and the violence every day to normal Americans wearing a fucking hat that you can see on Twitter, Vans employee and others just recently, the real fascists are progressives who malign other Americans for not believing in their causes. The real prejudice is people lumping all of any group into a pile and saying they all are this or that. Every American, even liberals, vote for the lesser of two evils. Only sycophants actually vote for a candidate with no reservations. The last election was no different. There were probably more people for HRC who were like me and voted against Trump, not for her. 
In a million years, no one would have attacked a Hope and Change Ford hat wear. It didn't happen because the media would have loved it. Also, I never think all PPFA supporters kill a million babies a year, but right now it's okay to say NRA members are baby killers and attack verbally and physically people wearing a red hat. If that doesn't make people stop and think that something is wrong with us, I don't know what will. We are broken because people started drinking Kool-Aid from the media and politicians, both sides, and stopped critically thinking for themselves, and that is really sad. And you can see this post, which is under my personal, fakehatecrimes.org, 403 Forbidden. They won't let it go on Facebook, which is just like the story we did last time. If you put fake hate crime in an article title, they're not going to load it because Facebook doesn't want the truth to get out. If the truth got out with these websites and all these false accusations, well, then what are the Democrats going to run on? I mean, that's all they have to scare their people to the polls. You know, there's a band of you know police and white people running around lynching people. They need that. And I've said it on the show a million times. Yeah, the, the Bush was no different. It's if you don't vote for me, terrorists going to come out of your toilet and kill you. Yeah, I mean both sides do it, but the left has been doing it in mass for fucking ever, and it's never true. When you have baseball shootings. And all these things going on, and the media doesn't even color cover it because they admittedly say it doesn't fit their agenda. That's just fucking treasonous. So to our Oregon article, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to read the title because the title itself says everything that's wrong with progressives. Oregon lawmakers seek to lower voting age and state to 16 so teens can protect their future. The left knows they're so fucking extreme. The only way they can win is to get teenagers who are progressive because they're stupid and they don't pay taxes and they think the Green Deal is the greatest thing ever, but they don't really know what's in the Green Deal because they just know climate change is, you know, we're going to die in 12 years. They saw it on Twitter and believe it. That's how far they'll stoop. They go around the Constitution and go to popular vote in Colorado. And now Oregon's trying to push for 16-year-olds to vote. Can't buy a gun, though. No, 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 no. We're pushing that to 21. Can't buy alcohol. No, 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 no. It's got to be 21. Can't buy cigarettes. No, 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 no. 18. Can't buy Sudafed, for fuck's sake. But 16... Is good enough to vote. Yeah. Okay. So that's our lead in. That way I got it out of the way. Because now we go to the media angle. Of all this shit. We're going to segue out with Laura Logan. Saying the words that I've said on the show a million times. The media is just a liberal cabal. Um, And the media everywhere is mostly liberal, not just in the U.S. But in this country, 85% of journalists are registered Democrats. So that's just a fact, right? No one's registering Democrats when they're rarely a Republican. So 
the facts are on the side of what you just stated. Most journalists are, are left or liberal or Democrat or whatever word you want to give it. How do you know you're being lied to? How do you know you're being manipulated? How do you know there's something not right with the coverage? When they simplify it all, and there's no gray. There's no gray. Mm. It's all one way. Well, life isn't like that. If it doesn't match real life, it's probably not... Something's wrong, mm. right? So, um, for example, you know, all the coverage on Trump all the time is negative. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing, uh, no mitigating policy or event or anything that has happened since he was elected that is out there in the medias that you can read about, right? Well, that tells you that's distortion of the way things go in real life. Because although the media has always been historically always been left-leaning. We've abandoned um, our, our pretense, or at least the effort, to be objective today. The former executive editor of the New York Times has a book coming out, Jill Abramson, and she says we would do, I don't know, dozens of stories about Trump every single day, and every single one of them was negative. She said, we, be, we have become the anti-Trump paper of record. That's not our job. That's a political position. That means we've become political activists, in a sense. And some could argue propagandists, mm -hmm. right? And there's some merit to that. This case is ever-evolving, uh, head-spinning, changing. Oh, yeah. when, we, when I sat down with Jesse, it was Tuesday night in Chicago at the time to give his first account, publicly give his first account of what he said happened. And we have to remember, at that time, on Tuesday, police officers were saying that his account was consistent, it was credible, and that he was being cooperative. Now, this was all before the air interview aired on Thursday, and then we found out about the brothers. The police often say something publicly, but behind the scenes, Dan, it's totally different. Absolutely. Look, they wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to go out there and publicly start questioning someone who talks about a horrific attack like this until you've got the goods. And they're still being careful now. But I have to say, Robin, even in the interview that you did, you were talking about the skeptics. You were talking about the people who questioned his account. So it's not new, this idea that there are questions about what happened. What's new is that the police now seem to be making it clear that they believe the brothers and have, at the very least, serious questions about justice. If Smollett made this up, what kind of impact is that going to have on other people who come forward to tell stories that are true about yeah. assault? It, I think that's the real impact here. You can talk about prison time for him, etc., but this would have, I think, a, a big impact on the country, which is you want to believe someone. I mean, you're talking about an allegation of homophobia, racism, politics, all of it in one allegation. And if it turns out that this well-known person just made this up, it's going to, I think, lead 
some people to have questions about coming forward. It's going to be others uh, having questions about whether they believe people's accounts. Mm -hmm. This is having, I think, a much bigger impact than just on this particular case. Just, just all across a, the board. Yeah, it could be a big setback if that's the case. Absolutely. And presidential Town Hall, tonight at 10 Eastern on CNN. Was it a hate crime or a hoax? Law enforcement sources tell CNN the Chicago police now believe that Empire actor Jesse Smollett paid two men to orchestrate an attack on him. Smollett's attorneys deny that the actor played any role in his own attack. So joining us now to talk about all of this is Charles Blow. He's an opinion columnist for the New York Times and Brian Stelter. He's CNN's chief media correspondent. Great to have both of you here. Brian, I remember in the hours right after this happened yeah. that CNN, that our bosses were, were advising to pump the brakes a little bit because there were some things already that didn't add up. I was frankly surprised how many people jumped uh, on board to side with Jesse Smollett before there were photos, before there right. were police statements, before all that stuff. And so how do you think this all... Uh, what was the trajectory of how this went wrong? Yeah, the headline was so sensational and so disturbing. It first came out on TMZ. Not only that Smollett said he'd been attacked, but that the attacker said, this is MAGA country. Obviously, Chicago at 2 in the morning is not MAGA country, so that didn't make sense in the first place. Lots of parts of the story didn't make sense. But activists, actors, Hollywood celebrities, friends of Smollett, Democratic presidential candidates, they all wanted to sound like they were doing the right thing, saying the right thing, standing up for a victim. There's an inherent tension in this story between uh, wanting and needing to believe victims and yet knowing that people can take advantage of that, taking advantage of the idea that it's important to, to, to believe victims. And I, that tension has been the story for weeks. There was a rush to judgment. I think it was mostly in the celebrity press and among activists and among Twitter people. Uh, I think it was a really careful reporting by news organizations. But it all gets lumped in together at the end of the day. It all gets lumped in together in the minds of many people who now look at this and say, what went wrong here? And obviously at the end of the day, what went wrong is that he may have made it up. And ultimately, that's his responsibility. Uh, ultimately, that's right. But Charles, I mean, it's under... Uh, Camille, what's your reaction to how this story has unfolded and evolved this weekend? Well, I think there were a lot of reasons for skepticism from very, very early on here. Um, if this had happened in the way that Jesse described, uh, it would have been pretty extraordinary. Um, and what we're seeing now, however, as the story starts to degrade a bit, um, is I do think a lot of sort of frustration on many sides and even some cheering on other sides because there was a lot of uh, a rush to judgment. I mean, I think a lot of these From speculative... I, I think in a lot of these sort of speculative controversies where the media is necessarily reporting on a story really, really early when we don't know much, um, folks have to go with what they suppose and what we knew at the time was the president's supporters are racist, of course... There's a, a desire, almost, a credulousness about a story like this, where we're not sufficiently skeptical when we're confronted with facts that don't really seem to fit up, fit together too well. At 2 a.m. in the morning, almost the coldest night of the year, you were attacked and someone conveniently had a rope. Uh, my heart goes out to anyone who gets attacked, but it's totally appropriate to exercise a bit of skepticism and to exercise a bit of patience in waiting for the facts to develop around this story and mm. as they have developed the story looks very different than what most people suspected at a minimum at a minimum there were people who i've talked to people off camera i've talked to people sort of in green rooms who were skeptical who had questions about this story were afraid to raise those concerns because of the intersect intersectional nature of this particular accusation and there are plenty of circumstances like that and that is something that we have to be aware of when there are stories that involve very sensitive issues of race and sexuality and there are accusations and allegations that are being made 
when you raise questions about those allegations, it is often the case that people will raise questions about your motivations. Hmm. Look, I am talking really? about these stories. Why I'm talking about that? the merit of a particular charge. And at the end of the day, it's whether or not that charge has merit that matters. And Robin Robbins, in that, com- in that conversation, in that interview, had an opportunity to say, you know, just there are practical reasons for someone to ask questions about something like this that have nothing to do with your race or your sexuality. She didn't do that. And there are far too many instances where serious journalists aren't doing That's that. true. So, Paul, let's talk a little bit about how serious the potential legal issues here possibly are for Justice Mullen. It's important to note uh, there are people who are still questioning the Chicago PD, given their track record and their history on this. They're two unnamed sources. They haven't come out and said this publicly. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, different language being used by both sides. But obviously, it's now reaching a different trajectory, given what has emerged. Yeah. So for the record, uh, Justice Mullen's his statement has stayed the same, so he's been consistent. So it's really the police department that has had shifting versions of what they think happened. Now, it's a crime to falsely report something happened to you when it didn't happen. You can go to jail for up to three years. So far, Mr. Smollett has not been accused of that. You know, people think that the police solve crimes. The reality is most crimes they don't solve. So in Chicago, the clearance rate for murder, the most serious crime, is only 20%. So even 80% of murders they don't solve. So the reality is we may never know exactly what happened. What we do know, though, in response to Donald Trump Jr.'s tweet, is that hate crimes have risen 17% since Donald Trump took office. And we also know that when people report traumatic episodes, they should be respected, they should be honored. It's difficult to come forward with those. And so if the idea is, even if this didn't happen, that that should cast doubt on people who claim bias and discrimination, that's flat out wrong. Paul Butler, helping us keep our eyes on what is important in this story. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate your insights. I don't know what to make of all this, because when the news came out, a lot of people, myself included, were horrified. Absolutely. Um, Just the the circumstances and the way he told the story and and, uh, what what he said happened to him sort of fit in with a narrative, not a narrative, but a a reality for a lot of people in this country since President Trump was inaugurated, that there is is an atmosphere of menace and an atmosphere of hate around the country that made it possible for people to either readily believe or want to believe Jesse Smollett. Yeah, that was ABC Damage Control and Camerata. I can't believe, you know, we, we listened first. We, we, we really, we, we, we didn't jump. We, 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 you see that? It's just a bunch of spinning. Cause that was the theme. A CNN panelist literally saying one thing, but we'll have her later in our hate, you know, later on saying total opposite. She's a Vox reporter who ate it. But now she really wants to pretend like she didn't. So the latest ups- update, CBS Chicago, some huge updates, Smollett case. And now appears he also paid the brothers to write the threatening letter received week prior. He was involved in creating racist letters all over the place, including crushing the aspirin himself. And Jesse Smollett was convicted of providing false information in 2007 to the police including a DUI count and a charge of driving without a license. So basically, Smollett is like every other young African-American man who's been raised to hate the police 
So the first thing they do is lie about who they are and not work with the police. Oh, you're a racist, Tony. Just watch Live PD. Just just watch Live PD one weekend. Just one weekend. We don't have to watch religiously like I do. There are young urban African Americans and Latinos who get out of the car and say, it's my mom's. These aren't my pants. Those are statements that are said every weekend. Which, by the way, I hope this is sounding more clearer. I'm closer to the mic. Um, I actually bought a pop filter that's made for the microphone. Um, I had the long ones that you bend, and Jesus, it was just a pain in the ass. I actually made you stay away from the mic. And now I have a small one that snaps on. So, um, Well, it's supposed to use rubber bands to snap on, but it doesn't fit. So I just stuck it on, and it fits. So I hope it sounds a little clearer. But... um, Every weekend, that's what you see. Lying. False reporting. And nine times out of ten, they get away with it. Because the court systems are overflowed. Or the DA doesn't want to be a racist. Or we have a racist fucking criminal justice system against black people. So, yeah, we're just going to let this one ride. And that's what happened to him. He didn't get any time. He didn't get anything. He blamed his brother. Articles I've read looks like he sandbagged his brother and said it was him driving, and the brother took the rap because he was a rising star. And then lastly, he's been demoted. I guess he's starting to get written out. Like he thought he was going to be, but they said he wasn't going to be. But yeah, he is. So there's your updates. Here's Brian Seltzer. Remember, he is, there used to be a show on Fox about the media. The guy dinged the right, he dinged the left. He did stay pretty middle ground. I used to watch it. I used to love that show. Um, it actually started on CNN, then it went to Fox. And I think when it went to Fox, I stopped watching, because I don't watch Fox, but it was on CNN. I can't remember the guy's name. The media critic who calls out the media on these things. And here are two different sound bites of him literally saying the mainstream media wasn't all in. Brian, you're our media expert. I'll give you the last word. How does he use the media, perhaps, going forward? I think in retrospect, that Good Morning America interview, which allowed him to tell his side of the story, that just made things worse for him. And perhaps the questioning was not tough enough on Good Morning America. But ultimately, this is not about the media or about politicians or activists or any of the people that might have been fooled. It's about Jussie. And I agree with what everyone else has said. This is about why he might, and so far we don't know, but why he might have made this up. Uh, It just boggles the mind, Donna. From inside, how do you think the media, you know, the media had to to cover this um, and had to cover this you know, cautiously and responsibly. How do you think, on the whole, uh, the media has has done a, a, as a job? Strong, high-quality news organizations have tried to be very careful all along on this story. But because TMZ said just a few hours after the alleged attack that this was a Trump supporter attack and it had political connotations, like I said, it became partisan from day one. And when you're looking at those random websites all over the world spreading information, you can, you can end up, uh, or think, having the, this story was able to be uh, weaponized in many different ways. But at its heart, it is still a mystery. If he yeah. concocted this and orchestrated this, why? 
There was a rumor out there a few days ago that he did this because he was afraid he was being ridden off the show Empire. Yeah. They were going to kill off his character. Well, the studio, Fox, Fox denied that was the case. So the motive here, there's still a mystery at the heart of the story. A mystery at the heart of the story. See, what I think they did was we covered the SE Cup tweet. And it was a setup. It was their segue. I, I truly believe this in my heart. They had a meeting, probably a conference call. We're going to address this. We're going to get a lot of criticism. Trump's going to say something. He, they don't care that you or I, the normal viewers, are going to criticize them. They give a fuck about us because they, they know they got the liberals locked in tight. They're starting to challenge MSDNC, yada, yada, yada. So how do we get Trump? Well, let's do this. I'm going to write an email and bait conservatives, and then they're going to attack me, and then I'm going to take the high ground and act like I'm a real journalist, even though my name's S.E. Cup and I was on Fox, then I went to CNN and became liberal, so basically I'm just an actor. I have, I'm Kristen Gillibrand. I have no actual fucking opinions on anything that I hold dear. And then everybody else feed off that. So Seltzer retweeted it and said, this is sad, no matter your politics. And it was the giddiness one. The media, even on Fox, and this is one of those ones that just cracked me up. So humiliating for Jesse Smollett, I can't help feeling for him. Melissa Francis. Nobody, you know, Seltzer was going to point that out. That's a Fox anchor. Megan Kelly came in. Jay Smollett case of plenty of red flags, but media was too attached to storyline and victimhood to see and admit it. Once again, journals dedicated more to proving themselves virtuous than to reporting facts botch the story. It's tiresome, and it won't change. Why do I read that? That lady was ran out on a rail for talking about blackface back in the day for Halloween. And right now, the same media is supporting a fucking government in Virginia that has D's behind their name. For blackface. Kind of, kind of interesting. Buku stories. On Monday, CNN Brian Selter said there was a rush to judgment in the case, alleged head crime, but it did not come from the media. I think it's mostly in the celebrity press and among activists and among Twitter people. I think it was really, a really carefully reported by news organizations. Gerald Byer. Today, Seltzer, there's a rush to judgment, mostly in celebrity press activists, Twitter people. I think it's a really careful report. CNN, January 29th, Empire actor victim of racist and homophobic assault. That was their story. Brooke Baldwin, this is America 2019. Channeling the guy from Community. This is America. Give me my money. This is America. Stupid fucking song. Yeah. Bridget Fetisay, please stop gaslighting us. We know what went on. Stephen Miller, this has been thoroughly debunked by myself and a whole lot of others, and he's still pushing it. Now ask yourself why. And what is he talking about? Right, Brian Seltzer. It's not about the media. Washington Post reported three times the attack happened without using allegedly. Great Super Bowl ad, though. They never said allegedly. There was no allegedly. It's allegedly when it's a Democrat. When it's good for the Democrats, there's no allegedly and there's no recant. This story's already dropping off the radar. You know that, right? It's just going away. 
currently between fraudulent suspensions. So if if it's true, it's a reflection on Trump and his supporters. But if it's false, it's not a reflection on all the people who blamed it on Trump and his supporters. Nice trick. Media reporter only ever defends the media. Emily Zanotti. The flip side of this is that the media who did pursue the case got raked across the coals. You'd think they'd at least want to defend it. RB Pundit, in which Brian Seltzer tries to gaslight the public. We all saw it happen in real time. There was no careful reporting by the news. They amplified voices of the people with agendas. They people, the people vested in this being a hate crime. Brian is the epitome of why the media is despised. And it's true. Keben Nahi brings up the most important thing. I wonder why Brian Seltzer never had any of the Chicago local news reporters on to talk about it who were reporting that it's wrong or that it was probably a hoax. Why he just had had leftist activists on. It's a goddamn mystery. Brian Seltzer had the balls to respond to this. Yesterday, I I purposefully booked a diverse group of guests, a libertarian, a progressive. If you have suggestions for other guests to book, I'm all ears. He just gave you a suggestion. The local reporters, Matto does this all the time. It's good for the viewers. Bring on a local reporter. Brian Seltzer. We also book local reporters on a regular basis. I had a local radio host on yesterday, but if he has specific Chicago reporters suggest, he's welcome to do so. Yeah. Hmm. Then the Vox. I want to hit the Liz Plank. I got to hit Liz Plank. That many people are doubting his story. Uh, let's talk about it with Vox's media, uh, Vox Media's Liz Plank, uh, also the co-host of the Fifth Column podcast, Camille Foster, and CNN media analyst Bill Carter is back with me. Uh, Camille, what's your reaction to how this story has unfolded and evolved this weekend? Well, I think there were a lot of reasons for skepticism from very, very early on here. Um, if this had happened in the way that Jesse described, uh, it would have been pretty extraordinary. Um, and what we're seeing now, however, as the story starts to degrade a bit, um, is I do think a lot of sort of frustration on many sides and even some cheering on other sides because there was a lot of uh, a rush to judgment. I mean, I think a lot of these From speculative, I, I think in a lot of these sort of speculative controversies where the media is necessarily reporting on a story really, really early when we don't know much, um, folks have to go with what they suppose and what we knew at the time was the president's supporters are racist, of course. There's a, a desire almost, a credulousness about a story like this, where we're not sufficiently skeptical when we're confronted with facts that don't really seem to fit up, fit together too well. At 2 a.m. in the morning, almost the coldest night of the year, you were attacked and someone conveniently had a rope. Uh, my heart goes out to anyone who gets attacked, but it's totally appropriate to exercise a bit of skepticism and to exercise a bit of patience in waiting for the facts to develop around this story. And mm. as they have developed, the story looks very different than what most people suspected. The narrative was set so early on that January day because TMZ first heard about this alleged attack. TMZ was the first to say they heard the MAGA country quote. It came from a source close to Jesse. Mm-hmm. So immediately this was a political fight, right? Sure. Immediately there were political stakes to this story. Uh, Liz, do you think that, that distorted it? Right. I mean, the the MAGA uh, quote 
I remember reading about this story and looking yeah. for a real uh, reputable media outlet reporting on that, and I could not find one, right? The people who were rep repeating that quote were not news outlets, were not media outlets. It was repeated by, sure, people who maybe had good intentions of wanting to spread the story and had empathy for what they thought was, you know, a real story. But we can't confuse celebrity tweets <laughs> with the media and the press. And, you know... So you're saying actors and activists yes. who were rushing to his side yes. because they're friends with him and they support yeah. him and they're concerned about a possible hate of crime course, he's in the are not the same right? as Chicago yeah. reporters who are trying to find out what happened. Exactly. And, and it is different. And look, we don't know what happened to Jesse, but what we do know is that uh, racism is alive and well in this country. Homophobia is alive and well in this country. 2017 was set a record for the number of hate crimes. Um, and the president um, and his rhetoric has been cited by people who, there is real evidence of people who have done these crimes who cite that the president has, has, has inspired them. But is that why this people might be, just this might be part believe. of the problem yeah, because here. it's a trend. It's, well, I think this what, is part what? of the problem. We're establishing the trend, whether or not it's We're there. We're not establishing I, it. There's again, evidence of When you it. say things like, it is alive and well, there is far less racism in America this today than there ever report. has been. There is far less homophobia. And against, uh, Muslims, when we talk about hate crimes, we're talking people. about fifteen percent increases in these things. These a hate crime is not a, is not the so sort of thing that we simply matter. look at an and, and it is absolutely positively a hate crime. It's there's some supposition well, so you don't about. Don't believe that. the FBI. I'm the saying, FBI is not an expert. You're an expert. There's some supposition about hate crime. Define hate crime. Define hate speech. And that's why I leave it to the FBI. I'm suggesting that even in FBI statistics, there's a great deal of ambiguity about what makes something a hate crime. There are subjective determinations What makes determinations those actually there. ambiguous is that most of them are I'll not give you, reported. Can so I give you what Smollett did if he lied? Uh -huh. He's hurt real victims of exactly. hate crimes. No Absolutely. Question. We can no agree on that. No question. Uh, I, I wonder, Bill, if you think the Good Morning America interview, for example, was too soft on him. I mean, oh, clearly. He, even by the time he sat down clearly. with Robin Roberts, there were a lot of doubts Absolutely. about his story. Absolutely. And he had, she had to press that and she didn't really do it. it, it, it interestingly, he's a celebrity besides being a victim. He's, he's an actor. And that was a celebrity interview hmm. more than a news person interview and that's the way it felt like to me instead of getting to the facts it was much more about him and his you know what his, the effects on him and things like that instead of saying what is this what really happened it was not actually a news interview so he didn't do a news interview mm -hmm. the media was not able to really question him closely about this and when they did it, his story started to fall apart because it was full of red flags. Mm -hmm. It also contributed to this sense uh, among uh, Trump supporters that there is this Absolutely. Uh, campaign against them. And that there's this, uh, it, it, we can see it in Donald Trump Jr.'s tweets. I think we can put up some of his tweets from the past 12 hours. Look, Donald Trump Jr. is a hammer. So everything he sees is a nail and right. everything he sees is about attacking the media. So he'll attack the media no matter what. But he's attacking the media today because he says that the press fell for this. Uh, and I just wonder how much of that we, sh we should we should uh, acknowledge. Well, at a minimum, at a minimum, there were people who I've talked to people off camera. I've talked to people sort of in green rooms who were skeptical, who had questions about this story, were afraid to raise those concerns because of the intersec intersectional nature of this particular accusation. And there are plenty of circumstances like that. And that is something that we have to be aware of. When there are stories that involve very sensitive issues of race and sexuality, and there are accusations and allegations that are being made, when you raise questions about those allegations, it is often the case that people will raise questions about your motivations. Mm -hmm. Look, I am talking about these stories, Why I'm talking about that? the merit of a particular charge, and at the end of the day, it's whether or not that charge has merit that matters. And Robin Robbins, in that, com in that conversation, in that interview, had an opportunity to say, 
you know, just there are practical reasons for someone to ask questions about something like this that have nothing to do with your race or your sexuality. She didn't do that, and there are far too many instances where serious journalists aren't doing That's that. True. And now well, that, Democratic politicians who that, came out and said this was a modern-day lynching exactly. uh, are going to have to be held to account. They, they, in exactly. this, you know, absolutely. they jumped way too early on this, and there's where the real fault lies, I think. You can't, you can't use your ideology and impose it on a story like this. You, you're going to get burned. Maybe you won't always get burned, but it's a tremendous risk. As of a couple days ago, Fox, the studio that makes Empire and the network that broadcasts Empire, was standing by Smollett uh, saying that he has the network's support. As of this morning, no new comment from Fox. that They've, they've gone silent on this. Uh, Liz, last mm -hmm. word to you on what is, I mean, at its heart, it's the a very sad case. Yeah, it's no it's, matter it's, what. If it, he lied, absolutely. it's sad. If it happened, it's sad. Absolutely. I, I think it's important to cover this story. I also think it's important to cover the other several stories of hate crimes. That, not to say that this was a story of a hate crime, but that there are real uh, hate crimes that happen in this country, and there is an increase in them against Black people, against LGBTQ people, against Muslims. And the fact that one robbery was fake does not mean that robbery is not a problem. The fact that there is one false rape accusation does not mean that there's no rape. We have to cover these issues as trends and as patterns and not fall into the trap that because one story is not real, that the problem is not real. Or maybe not give the celebrities all the attention. Yes, uh, all right, absolutely. Our... Nothing in that panel, nothing, was a critical look at the media. You even have that Liz Plank who one moment goes, they did judge, and then talks shit to a black guy. I actually labeled it whitey. I mean, she literally, what do you know about criminal justice? I mean, are you serious? John Hayward, can anyone remember mainstream media headlines that said the Democrats who used the Smollett hoax to smear all Trump supporters were gleefully seizing on this fabricated account? Of course not. Lefties don't pounce. They don't seize. I, th this is a, a, a WAPO article. I doubted Jesse Smollett. It breaks my heart that I might be right. Let me try to get in there. But even before the latest detail emerged, when I just heard of the attack on Smollett, I had to pause on Empire. Jamel Lyon came out as a gay in front of homophobic, abusive father, took a bullet, blah, blah, blah. Was I reading last week's episode, or did this actually happen? Almost immediately, I had a terrible feeling that I was victim-blaming, or worse, that I am so brainwashed that I can no longer hear cries of hurt and outrage from my own black community. It was a horrifying feeling that I am still trying to work through almost three weeks later. I wanted to believe Smollett. I really did. I know there is deep, dark, racist history in Chicago with links to, I guess, some stories. And it proved true this would be just one more point on the list. I wanted to believe him with every fiber of my be being, most of all because the consequences of he were lying were almost too awful to contemplate. Yet I struggled with the Smollett story. I tried telling myself that it, it is possible that two assailants were walking around downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. in 10-degree weather, waiting for a black vi victim. In addition to that, they were stalking around with a bleach and rope. Okay. Perhaps I don't want to believe him because this is a stark and scary reminder of the poor conditions of the country that I call home. Maybe this story makes the boogeyman in my nightmares all too real, too close, too calculating. Maybe it's because while I consider myself an ally to the LGBTQ EIEO community, I still don't understand and appreciate the daily harassment that they endure. Maybe even though I'm a black woman, I still don't know what it's like to be a black man in America. 
Nana Afu Mumford. That doesn't sound like, hey, we were wrong for our three reports and our many op-eds that said this is America. Give me your money. This is America. I'm going to download like the song so I can actually make the joke better because I don't remember what that song actually It's Glover. I remember that. He made the song. This is a, you know, we're going to pause just for shits and giggles. Okay, here it is. A childish Gambino. We're going to listen just for a little bit. So I can make the joke work. I don't understand why he wears slacks and he's shirtless. And now he's dancing and making weird faces. Now he's flex dancing. Here we go, he just shot somebody. Rosenberg, so glad to have been able to publish this piece with Nana Afu Mumford on the Jesse Smollett case and what it feels like to wish a very bad thing might be true because the lie would be worse. No, it's not. That is code for I am so fucking pissed this isn't true because God damn it, it was another good one to get Trump and his people and all those white motherfuckers. Because there's just homophobe white people all over the goddamn place. Even though we can't prove it. We know it to be so. Stephen Miller. Has there been a single retraction or apology by anyone who jumped on the Smollett story? No. Bridget Fetise. What the F, WAPO? Do you even realize what his headline isn't saying? It breaks my heart Trump supporters aren't roaming the streets of Chicago lynching people because I'd rather be proven right than have to confront my glaring psychological blind spots. Not going to say I'm shocked, but oh my God, that's the exact conclusion they come to. That and it's bad for the people who love the show with zero self-reflection or sense, sense that this is actually a good thing. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. VP Spurs, this is the best nested comment I've read so far. Victimhood fantasy should be a new entry in Webster. And he's right. Yeah. Washington Post Global Opinion Editor, Karen Atai, regarding the heinous attack, heinous, sorry, attack on Smollett, yet another reminder that Trump's ascendance and the resulting climate of hate has meant that lives have been increasingly at stake since 2015. 
where? Where's where's the proof? Yeah. Okay. And then Rod Dare recently attempted to post a piece, and I guess I am totally confused at which podcast we are, because here's the story. <laughs> oh my god, that's embarrassing. I preceded a story showing a story of my personal thing, and I thought it was in the last podcast. I'm a dickhead. Well, I ruined the punchline. Rob Dare, you're not allowed to say on Facebook that Jesse Smollett carried out a hate hoax. He tried to put Jesse Smollett hate hoax. It's an article. And this post goes against our community standards. So uh, there's the story that I thought was already done. A bunch of people did it with different titles. Matt Inglacy did. And his got through, but it didn't say hoax. And now, as I said, let's just move on. That's just embarrassing. Lisa Booth, the Covington Kids and Jesse Smollett stories are the same. You know, this is what happens when you make your own scripts and you have to get all the sound bites and it all bleeds together. So everybody understand, you go out and listen to Ben Shapiro. You go listen to Matt Walsh or even Rush Limbaugh. At the end, they list a million people that do all this shit. Understand, not tooting my horn, everything you hear, I've done. I've collected the soundbite. I've collected the articles. I've cut and pasted a 100-page script that I go off of with snippets, whole articles, If I decide to read them, yada, yada. This is all me, so I do make mistakes. I, I, it's, I thought I already reported that. That's so embarrassing. Oh, goddamn. Lisa Booth, the Covenant Kids and Jesse Smollett stories are the same. The media chose to believe the narrative that was the most damaging to Trump supporters. Even, sorry, I just had a fucking page crazy. In the absence of facts or logic, this is why there is animus towards the media and why fake news resonate. And, and nobody's making that connection. Sorry, I got to pick up Gunny. He just fell the fuck down and he lost his hat. Gunny overwatches this. And you know what he's saying to me now. Do some fucking push-ups or fucking up. But nobody's connecting the two. That's why my little op-ed. I, I believe it was two. It's back-to-back. It's, they are inter, intertwined the same concept. It fits an agenda. It fits a narrative. The media goes crazy. Look at those fucking white people. Mega hat. Trump, Trump, Trump. In my heart, it's because they hate all conservatives. But the reality is probably just because they want to get Trump. And if they can demean Trump people, well, they can demean Trump. So they run. They don't check it. They don't. I mean, these are fucking reporters. Don't you think somebody at CNN could have sat and watched the hour and 30 minutes and the black Israelites for Covington? I did. I'm a dumbass podcaster who doesn't get paid for this. I went through it. No, because they don't want to prove the story wrong. They want the story to be right. So if you don't research it, you don't dig into it, or critical think that, oh my God, probably not two fucking white dudes in Chicago, and it's definitely not mega country. No, we're going to do that. We need this. And and they're, they're the same. It's back to back to back. And then you throw in front of it Kavanaugh. All of them. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. One by one by one, other than the main character, I lied. 
I made it up. So all they have to link on is some story from some person that's a Democrat that he threw ice on somebody. That's it. Every other story is false. Yeah, and they're still talking about investigating it. Ben Shapiro from Covington to Smollett of a story seems perfectly constructed to fit a narrative. It probably is. Molly Hemingway and general media response to circle wagons, deny culpability, learn nothing, lash out, get worse, only confirms the argument of those who criticize their poor performance. And he's right. Mm-hmm. So now out there this Sunday is uh, the Oscars. And there's pictures of black Klansmen. This is mega country with Russ, Jesse Smollett put over the front of it. <laughs> but there are people that now want him crushed. Charles Blow calls him crazy. Revelyn Sharpton, Jesse Smollett, ought to face accountability to the maximum if he perpetrated the hoax. But it's in the race hustler language, which is, oh my God, people won't believe it now. All these crazy crimes are happening all the time. Alyssa Milano, if that man stages on attack, he's wrong in so many ways. No one could be that hurtful to stage this, right? To fuck with all of us by playing into our weakness and make it even harder for victims to come forward. I know no one could choose to be that hurtful, right? Right? No. Yeah. Yeah. And then NBC News ran along with this because everybody attacked SNL. Where was the skit? If that was a conservative, if it was fucking, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a country singer, Alan Jackson, who staged something. Don't you think there'd be a skit? There was none. But after this weekend, Trump said something about the fake news media is the enemy of the people. Alec Baldwin takes on Trump emergency declaration of the border security. Alec Baldwin says, you're endangering my family. What? News media. That's, that's what he said. But the world went back to SNL and crushed him. I'm not going to read them all. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. They won't touch it. And then you have, let's revisit one last time, all the people. Camelia Harris. He's one of the kindest, most gentle human beings. It's a tempted modern-day lynching. Cory Booker, the victim of vicious attack on Jesse Samella, was an attempted modern-day lynching. It's like they all got it together. But now that it's proven to be false, here's Kamala and Booker we need some facts, folks. Well, the information's still coming out. I'm going to withhold until all the information actually comes out from on-the-record sources. Um, we know in America that uh, bigoted and biased attacks are on the rise in a serious way. And we actually even know in this country that since 9-11, the majority of the terrorist attacks on our, soul, on our soil have been right-wing terrorist attacks, the majority of them white supremacist attacks from the horrific shootings in, in Pittsburgh or in South Carolina church. Uh, what we're seeing is attacks on people because they're different, and we all need to join together and condemn those attacks and the hatred and the bigotry that, comes, that sources them. Attempted modern-day lynching. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern-day lynching that... Um, uh, Sorry. <laughs> yes. Jesse Smollett. Um, 
Okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding, and um, I'm very um, concerned about, obviously... Why do we need facts after we find it falls? Oh, agenda, got it. Jamel Hill, John Lendon, uh, legend, excuse me, Mindy Kaling, Olivia Munn, Bernie Sanders, Ava DuVernay, Terry Crews, Gabrielle Union, Kathy Griffin, Irving, Irvin Magic Johnson, Reese, Wither, Reese Witherspoon, I don't think I ever read hers, this is beyond upsetting, what happened to Jesse Smollett's truly horrible racist homophobic hate crime, I hope we can find an end to the hate and fear that plagues this country, praying for your recovery, the ACLU, Katy Perry, standing with and sending love to Jesse Smollett today, this is a racist hate crime and it's disgusting and shameful, Billy Eichner, Viola Davis, Kerry Washington, Ellen DeGeneres, TMZ, was Al Sharpton, Jamil Hill, Michael Lavani, Kamal Najani, Zienda, Andrew Gillum, Tyler Perry, Sean Hayes, April D. Ryan, George Takaki, Eric Sawell. Are they going to have to recant? There's more. But do they have to recant? Because you'd have to recant. If you accused a liberal of doing something and it was found to be wrong, you'd be doxxed. I mean, I'll give the media a little credit. They at least asked Booker and Kamala. Somebody did. I don't know what network is from. Probably low-budget news, not the real media. Because they're not going to ask that question. But it doesn't matter to them. Here's some rando. Have you look at it. Even if he wasn't attacked by Trump supporters because of Trump that he felt forced to stage this attack on himself because Trump targets blacks and Mexicans, so he has been victim victimized legitimately. Oh, really? Then more pictures, just like Farrakhan. He was at the White House, hanging out with Obama, campaigned for him. Big old picture with Obama two or three times. My son sent me something funny. Fight back. Even if you paid them to jump you. <laughs> it's a Nike commercial. <laughs> the Babylon Bee. Jesse Smollett offered job at CNN after fabricating news story out of thin air. It's so fucking funny. I'm not going to read it because it's really long. But it's, wow. 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 Brad Thor. I've never been one to shout fake news, but after Smollett's story, I don't know how any reasonable person ever believes anything the mainstream media has to say. New York Times writer didn't like that. So pan Deb. We've had that idiot on the show. Lots of people echoing this sentiment. It's thoroughly confusing. Most outlets report exactly what was happening as it was happening. The CPD said publicity for weeks. They weren't doubting Smollett's story. And somehow this is the media's fault. And then everybody attacks the fuck out of her. Because no. There's a big difference from reporting and virtue signaling. Walsh puts out a great article. The Jesse Smollett hoax is what happens when a culture fetishizes victimhood. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. 
we make it cool for victims. We we put shit over our profile pictures. Boston strong, this strong, that strong, gay rights strong. I stand with PPFA. I did put the Green Bay Packers over mine once, so I guess I'm being a hypocrite. But that's a football team; it's not a cause. But yeah, we we we're we're down with this shit. And then Wapo strikes with Wapo pounces on Republicans for criticizing Wapo coverage. It's a meta pounce. A viral story spread. The mainstream media rushed to keep up. The Trump internet pounced. The online supporters of President were ready for a moment like the Covington Catholic controversy. But it was about this. But they linked it in at least. I'll give them credit. So, we got Cardi B running her cock trap. And Tucker closes this out. And we'll go into the 25th. Oh, wait a minute. We'll do a... Let's do a music break. Um, what the fuck do I have today? I grabbed something new to listen to. What, what was the song I got? This is from Tokyo Vampire Hotel. It's in Japan, Japanese in Japan. It's Japanese singing, but I really like the song, so we're gonna go uh, international today, and then we'll go in to the twenty fifth. So I'm really disappointed in Jesse Smollett, whatever the. F- his name is I'm really disappointed in him I feel like he fucked up Black History Month bro like damn I'm not gonna say yet until he said out his mouth that it was that it was fake and this shit was staged I don't wanna completely um, blame him because you know like somebody that I was talking to, they said like, you know, police in Chicago are racist. So they might probably trying to frame him and make him look like he's a liar. But if he's not, then bro, you fucked up for real. Like why would you do that? Like you ain't had to do that. Then you gave fucking Donald Trump immunity to fucking laugh at niggas and shit. Today, Project Islamic Hope is calling upon the arrest and criminal prosecution of Empire star and actor Jesse Smollett. We believe Jesse Smollett lied about being the victim of a hate crime and being assaulted. And for us, it's a slap in the face. Jesse Smollett put people's lives at risk and could have created a situation that was much, much damaging to those who are African American and those who do identify with the LGBTQ community. We have many members of the black community and the LGBT community who have been the victims of racism and hate crimes. So for Smollett to say that he was a victim of racism and hate crime, and we believe that it's a lie, certainly is an injustice to those true victims of racism and hate crimes, who are members of the African American community and the LGBT community. And that's why Jesse Smollett must be brought to justice for lying. At the end of the day, we believe Smollett at the beginning, we gave him the benefit of the doubt, but over the, the last few days, we've seen this campaign of lies by Smollett continue to be unraveled. And that's why we believe Smollett is lying and should be brought to justice for lying to authorities. Also, Smollett could have created a race war 
there are many African Americans and many members of the LGBT community who were very upset and outraged by Smollett claiming he was attacked and victimized. So there were some in those community whose thoughts are more, more extreme. They wanted to retaliate. I wanted the activists to call for calm and peace, and uh, we're hopeful that calm and peace will continue. But at the end of the day, Smollett's claims of being abused and attacked and the victim of a hate crime and racism is nothing but a big lie, and he needs to stop it. So if Justice Marlett really wants to do what's right, he'll stop lying. He'll stop this campaign of lies because we believe he's lying. And at the end of the day, Smollett really wants to help. Just apologize. Just say you're sorry. You the national media long ago gave up the pretense of gathering news. Journalism is now explicitly a political job. The point of it is to enforce cultural orthodoxies and punish enemies. Jesse Smollett was the perfect vehicle for both of those things. Journalists pretended to be horrified as they recounted what he said happened to him, but secretly they were thrilled. There are many indications of a hate crime here. They are looking for two suspects who were apparently wearing Make America Great Again hats, though that has not yet been officially confirmed. We don't know what happened to Jesse, but what we do know is that uh, racism is alive and well in this country. There is real evidence of people who have done these crimes who cite that the president has, has, has inspired them. Um, the fact that um, they reportedly said this is MAGA country adds to sort of the, the atmosphere of menace that African-Americans in particular and people of color in general have felt um, since the, the advent of the Trump administration. And the media has really cast so much doubt on his story, which I find so personally offensive that a gay black man is targeted and then suddenly he becomes the victim of yeah. people's disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's so he said his attackers hurled racial and homophobic slurs at him. And this is America in 2019.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. McCabe is a lifelong Republican who had a sterling 21-year career at the FBI, serving as head of counterterrorism and number two under Comey. But he was fired last year for allegedly lying to his own agents about a story he leaked to a newspaper. Not since Watergate has the FBI been drawn so deeply into presidential politics. Did you expect to be fired 26 hours before you were able to collect your pension? I guess I should have, because the president spoke about it publicly. Um, He made it quite clear that he wanted me gone before I could retire. I believe I was fired because I opened a case against the president of the United States. The president tweeted, Andrew McCabe fired a great day for the FBI, a great day for democracy. The idea that this president would know what a great day for the FBI or a great day for democracy was is preposterous. Incredibly stressful, and it was clear to me that that stress was was impacting the Deputy Attorney General. We talked about um, why the President had insisted on firing the Director and whether or not he was thinking about the Russia investigation and did that impact his decision. And in the context of that conversation, the Deputy Attorney General offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the... The president has tried to change the subject. SNL is one example. Another example is this uh, narrative on Fox News about an attempted coup against Trump. This is based on Andrew McCabe's new book and the idea that there was 25th Amendment talk happening in the Justice Department in 2017. Coup, coup, coup all over Fox News. Watch. Was this a coup? An attempted coup. A coup d'etat. A soft coup. For lack of a better word, coup. This is a low-energy coup. It's a coup attempt. An open coup. Essentially a coup. There was, like, essentially a coup. So it's even reached some of the president's family members. Philip Bump, what are they talking about? So essentially what they're saying is this report from Andrew McCabe's new book that there was, in fact, a conversation within the Justice Department shortly after the firing of James Comey to look at the 25th Amendment, which allows for the president to be removed from office under the case that either a behalf of his cabinet agrees that he should be removed from office along with the vice president, or they establish a congressional commission that, that looks at this thing. So this is, if, if you're talking about this as a coup, it is a coup that is necessita- necessitates the involvement of half of the people that Donald Trump appointed the cabinet, and Mike Pence coming on board saying, yes, he should be removed from office. Right. If, if Rosenstein and McCabe can convince those people of doing that, it's hard to see that as a coup. The point here, the broader point, is that there are people inside the government with concerns about the president's behavior and his stability. There's also spouses of White House aides concern. Take a look at this from Kellyanne Conway's husband, George Conway. This is, of course, the husband of one of the president's top aides saying on Twitter here 
The people should be seriously concerned about Trump's mental stability. I think we can put the tweet up on screen. He's reacting to this report. Uh, you know, Trump came out and said Obama was about to start World War III. That's a lie. So Conway is saying we should highly question the mental stability of a president of the United States who would lie about something like that. Uh, Bill Carter, your yeah. reaction? Well, Conway has really been outspoken. I mean, he, he obviously is not being restrained by the fact that his wife works for, for, the, for the President of the United States. And if he's saying that, you do have to wonder, is she supporting that? Does she c contradict him at home? Or is she tacitly saying, yeah, this is a legitimate thing to say? I think we can show what Kellyanne Conway has said about this in the past. She has made comments when, when reporters, when journalists bring up concerns about the President's mental health. Here's something that she said about that in the past. There's no good comes out of people attacking the president's physical and mental states. So I guess that's a conversation between husband and wife. Yeah, that's Seltzer mocking the media because why? You said impeach 200 times, CNN. 200 fucking times. And then the other media angle, here's Guthrie seven times. Is Trump a national security threat? I noticed sure. the title of your book, The Threat, and you say the FBI is protecting America in the age of terror and Trump. Did you mean to relate those two or equate those two or say both are threats? Absolutely. Did you order a counterintelligence investigation into the president? I did. Is that tantamount to saying you felt there was reason to suspect that he was a national security threat? Was it your suspicion and the reason that you opened this investigation that you thought the president might actually be working on behalf of Russia? When you're opening this particular kind of investigation, counterintelligence, did you suspect the president might actually be working for Russia? We thought that might be possible, yes. What were the facts that suggested the president may be a national security threat and may, in fact, be working on behalf of a foreign adversary, Russia? Sure. What takes it to this next level where there's a suspicion that he's working for a foreign government. I mean, this is extraordinary. This is like Smollett. That's not the story. I could play McCabe. I'm not going to. You've heard enough by now. But he refuses on NPR to say he lied under oath. He talks about wiretapping. He, I started the investigation because I was concerned. I thought he was a Russian agent. Everything this guy did would not be authorized under a Democrat. American greatness. <clears throat> Research Victor Davis Hansen. The autopsy of a dead coup. It is the best article on this. It's too long for me to read. But it's weaponizing the Mueller investigation. None of this is based on facts. This is all based on politics. And I wanted to rewind the tape, and I was going to play some sound bites, but I'm sound bite heavy. Even our our uh, college crazy's got a lot of sound bites today. Um, that's that's the story. It was you know videos. Um, we were told the FBI was full of Trump flack conservatives. Scott Pelley even tried to say this guy was a Republican. Now to cover it, they're saying, well, we went to Congress. They didn't seem to care. This guy is being fired, or he was fired, because he lied to the FBI. Everybody involved, including the current guy, 
politically did things wrong. And I thought after Comey, we couldn't find anything worse about the FBI. You know, I thought the FBI, um, you know, it's going to get better because now we're going to have adults and the adults are going to do the right thing and they're going to, they're going to heal themselves they're going to go back to being the respectable organization that they were. The guys I met in Afghanistan were patriots all. But right now, with these fucking chowderheads, fuck me running. We're, we're talking everything about this. And I, and I won't bring up the same litany I did last time. It's all politics. None of this is law. This is beliefs, fear. I feared he was going to do something, that he was a Russian agent. I mean, all these words are not what lawmen say. Police don't say that, at least not on tape. But our media, because it fits their agenda, they want Trump impeached. They ignore all of it. They just ignore all of it. They're, they're not asking the real question. Don't you think under Obama, Clinton, or whatever, this would be wrong? Because in their minds, the Trump is not a president. We don't have to respect the presidency. We've given up that yoke. The Chuck Todds that talked about decorum and the way we do things. You know, those days are gone. This is all about politics now. This is about our politics what we believe the country should be, and it's not Trump. So, the more I listen to McCabe, the more all the crazy shit that you hear, the the conspiracy theorists on the internet, they they were right. They they were hugely right. They weren't wearing tinfoil hats. This was a coup done by the FBI and Democrats. And I do not think the FBI will ever recover. And that's not said as a Trump supporter. I'm not. As an American citizen, I don't think the FBI will ever recover for this because people that are independent to right-leaning are saying the words, this is the biggest American scandal ever. The largest. This makes like Watergate look like a fucking traffic accident. This is huge. The government, the FBI, and the power brokers that wanted status quo tried to take over the country with a coup that happens in places like Venezuela. And you may say, well, who's a bad person? This is why we can't have a third party, folks. That's the saddest part about this. We will never have a non-Republican or non-Democrat president because the establishment won't allow it. You just watched it. So we're going into 2020, and as we always do on 2020, the March of the Democrats will be playing in the background.
Now, people personally affected by gun violence, they tend to respond to these events in a variety of ways. Some take to the streets and protest, which we have seen. Some call the politicians who represent them. And then a select few, they decide to get up and, well, take political office for themselves and, and, and try to win. We'll take, for instance, freshman Congresswoman Lucy McBath of Georgia. She was inspired to run after losing her teenage son, Jordan, in a 2012 shooting. And then there's this young man, Marcel McClinton. The 17-year-old is a shooting survivor, a co-organizer of March for Our Lives in Houston, and a nonpartisan candidate running for a seat on Houston City Council. Let's look at some of the annual gun law, uh, the annual gun law scorecard. Uh, and when you look at the, the states uh, across the country, uh, specifically, as I was talking about Illinois a second ago, that gets a B. When you take a look at Texas, it gets yeah. an F. I mean, yeah, Texas is failing, and Texas is not doing enough on the issue. Uh, you know, just this past week, I was in Austin for Mama's Man Action Lobby Day. Um, we were fighting for gun violence and, and gun sense laws, uh, things that are proven to already save lives in other states. 63 bills passed in over 20 states, um, you know, just last year. So we are getting traction. I think Texas is definitely next. And if Texas, can't, if, if Texas can do it and, and lead on this issue, there's no excuse for any other state not to be able to. How much money have you raised, my friend? Uh, we have raised, uh, I got to take another look, we're, we're definitely over, uh, I think, 7000 now. We have a fundraiser coming up, uh, so we should do good at that as well. So on your website we have right here is where you are raising money, and you have a very clear view in terms of what you would like done on, on several issues. Uh, as, yeah. as, you, as you look forward here, who do you think would be the sort of candidate, the sort of politician you'd like to be? I know that Beto O'Rourke is part of what you're doing. Um, Better work is incredible. Ran, ran a great campaign, um, and, and I consider him a great friend. Um, he's really transformed the state of Texas, um, and, and you know Texas is now a state that can that can lean either way. It's left or right. Um, but that's you know um, I'm not going to bring that into my campaign. Yeah. Uh, my campaign. I'm not going to you know I'm not trying to copy other lawmakers and other elected, elected officials. Um, I want to be my own person and stay true to the people, um, and that's what I'm hoping to do on city council. We so President Trump is up and tweeting. He's talking about SNL, the media, right. his approval ratings. But I can tell you what's on the mind of his advisors inside the White House are these legal challenges that this right. national emergency will face. How do you see this playing out legally and then on the political side, since some Republicans don't love this idea? Well, legally, I think this, it, it frankly is, I think, a very huge uphill battle for the president. And we can talk about the unintended consequences if, they, if it actually is allowed to be seen as constitutional. I don't think we fully appreciate what would happen if this is allowed to be constitutional. It would forever change the way uh, the con Congress, uh, how Congress decides how money is spent and how presidents decide to spend it. But look, look at the political options he had. And you actually, when you start to look at the three options the president faced, this is actually the best political option he could pick. Option one was to go back to Congress and ask for more money. He admitted he didn't have the patience for that. Option two was the shutdown. His party on Congress didn't have the patience for that. So option three is this. Losing in the courts at least shows him fighting. So for his base, that is, that is a message he can send going through 2020, and they can even organize around it. But let me tell you, Hallie, I don't think we focus enough. What happens if this is found to be constitutional? It, again, it will forever change the relationship between these two branches of government to the point of, you could argue, it would completely unravel the system of checks and balances, at least when it comes to how taxpayer money is spent. MSDNC lauding strict gun laws that don't seem to stop shooting. 
Todd worries about the Constitution, yet McCabe was good to go. New York Times whines Republicans are demonizing Dems as socialists and baby killers. In the 116th Congress, if you're a Democrat, you're either a socialist, a baby killer, or an anti-Semite. That, at least, is what the Republican want voters to think as they seek to demonize Democrats well in advance of 2020 elections by painting them as left-wing crazies who will destroy the American economy, murder newborn babies, and turn a blind eye to bigotry against Jews. Really? That's all true? You know why it's true? Last podcast, I said it in one of my screeds that Ilian Omar got into Congress because of the crazy immigration policies under the Obamas, where they sent all these people from Syria to one area, and we got Dearborn, and we got all these places that anybody that's not a liberal goes, man, there's a lot of motherfuckers running around with ISIS flags, they hate America, they cheer when bad shit happens to fucking people in, in Israel, blah, 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 blah. And then an article comes out. My premise was, she gets elected because there's a lot of extreme motherfuckers as her constituency. And just like Rajneesh Piram, you can get elected that way. Ilian Omar's district is terrorist recruitment capital of the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. Minnesota's 5th Congressional District, represented by Omar, is a terrorist recruitment capital of the United States, according to the liberal FBI. More men and boys from Somali-American community in Minneapolis have joined or attempted to join a foreign terrorist organization over the last 12 years than any other jurisdiction. FBI stats show 45 Somalis left to join ISIS. Al-Shabaab or Iraq and Syrian ISIS combined. And as of 2018, a dozen more have been arrested with the intention of leaving to support ISIS. That's how she got elected. Yeah. The Somali population in the Minneapolis community is 100,000 People. How did they get there? Well, another article. How Minneapolis Somali community became the terrorist recruitment capital of the, the world. Let me get to it. In the case of Somalia, is no longer just the men. Early last year, a female was apprehended by authorities in charge of supporting, providing material support to Al-Qaeda and arson. FBI's highly concerned, we're conscious, blah, blah, blah. With the far, by far the largest Somali-American population in the United States, estimates of 100,000, the insular ethnic community in Minnesota <coughs> offers a rich recruitment ground. Investigators told Fox News that early on Al-Shabaab recruiting was almost exclusively word of mouth. One family connection to contact in the terrorist group would be pulled in as a recruit in a process that would repeat it in the ranks. Hundreds of newly trained Al-Shabaab fighters perform military exercise in the Lafof area, some of them America. But the chain seemingly changed when ISIS came on the scene in 2014. Personal connections still played a part, but it became much more about digesting online recruitment videos and turning alternative news sources, which played in the violence. Recruitment takes place online. We've read their 
papers and their articles and everything. And then it goes on to say this is the, this is how we did it under Obama. This is what we did. We pushed all these people to these fucking areas. They became huge. <clears throat> That's how you get Omar. That's how you get Talib. We didn't screen Syrians. We didn't screen Somalians. We just brought them in because we should do that. We're the melting pot. No, 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 no. Democrats did it because they want fucking voters. Who gives a fuck if they turn into terrorists? We got their vote. And then you get Omar, an anti-Semitist. And because the left's becoming so extreme, extreme, I had it later. I'm going to throw it right here. This is AOC, because we're going into AOC. Listen to what she says about Israel. Well, yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in in the occupation uh, of of Palestine, is um, just an increasing crisis of humanitarian conditions. And that, to me, is just where I tend to come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did you mean by that? Oh, um, I think what I meant is like the the settlements that are increasing in in some of these areas and and places where um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their house. Occupied Palestine. So let me get this straight. You pass bills for live birth abortions and you have multiple people that are anti-Semitic and believe Israel should not exist and are for BDS. Republicans are demonizing? I mean, we're... I'm not a Republican. I'm just stating facts. So back to back, she does this... I could not find the whole thing. I wanted to get the whole thing. And play it, but I couldn't find it on her, her Instagram account. I went to her Facebook account, her Twitter account. I searched. It was pulled off because, once again, she gets criticized because she says incredibly stupid fucking things. The first soundbite you're going to hear is, The wall is a moral abomination. Ah, big deal. We say that all the time. But she compared it to the Berlin Wall. And then she says everybody in Washington, D.C. is spying on her. No matter how you feel about a, about the wall, you know, I think it's a moral abomination. I think it's like the Berlin Wall. But here in DC, it's like so weird. It's like everybody is like a spy. Like it's so bizarre. It's like you could go out to get a cup of coffee and the person that's like sitting at a table in the corner of the restaurant is like, you know, like, then they go and like they text all their friends that they saw so and so at this cafe and it's like triangulation and it's super weird it's just like super weird so um new york is really interesting because there's a lot of anonymity out in public so right out the gate art tavana in this 37 second clip she likes nine times what the fuck in both of those clips, she likes 15 times. I just counted them. I put them together. And Ryan Savandra, 
in the entire fucking soundbite that I couldn't get, she said the word like 188 times. And the world goes, what did they, did they elect a fucking valley girl? And they made all these funnies out of it that I'm not going to put down. But yeah, it, it, I, I'm just shocked. The Berlin Wall kept people in dipshit, not out. They put it up so East Germans couldn't affect to the West. You know nothing about anything. You, you just are totally an idiot. And the spying you're talking about, it's usually the left. So, yeah, let's just move along. Elizabeth Warren, listen to this tweet. Back when I was a kid, a minimum wage job could support a family of three. Today, a full-time minimum wage job in America won't keep a mama and a baby out of poverty. Our government is about making real fundamental change to fix this. Nobody lived on minimum fucking wage. Dana Loesch crushes her. I'm not going to read it. Three thirty-five an hour back when we were kids. Nobody could live on that. That's not how it worked. And then right out of the gate, here comes number 7,500. Bernie's back. The first sound bites you're going to hear is CNN back in 2016. We pushed him. This is fucking Cuomo. A newsman. We pushed him to run. The media did. And they did it again. Now, Barry, I understand you used to be you used to be a carpenter, is that right? Well, I used to help out in carpentry. I carpenter. wouldn't want to go too right. far on that. Yeah. And, and you're Jewish. Yes. And uh, uh <laughs> I get where you're going. No, 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 no. And I'm just saying, and the Pope loves you, right? Yeah. Millions of people come to hear you speak. Your sermons on mounts. Um, are you Jesus? Will America feel the burn? That's the question this morning now that Bernie Sanders has made it official. In 2016, Bernie Sanders changed the Democratic Party. He made Democratic Socialism cool for millions of voters. But this time around, they've got a lot more choices. Other candidates have co-opted his agenda. But you know, there's one thing we learned about Bernie Sanders in 2016. Don't count him out. Last time Bernie Sanders ran for president, when he announced, hardly anybody noticed. And then he ignited that astonishing grassroots movement that made him the most unlikely political rock star and changed the Democratic Party, shifting it decisively leftward. But now the question is, at 77 years old, can Bernie bottle that lightning? This morning, Senator Bernie Sanders is making it official. Together, you and I and our 2016 campaign began the political revolution. Now it is time to complete that revolution and implement the vision that we fought for. Sanders sent this message to his massive list of supporters, letting them know he's getting back in the ring. His improbable run in 2016 gives him an edge in name recognition for 2020. He started that race as a little-known independent senator from Vermont. I know that if I do this, I start off as a significant underdog. But his progressive platform, universal Medicare for all health care, free tuition at state colleges and universities, a trillion dollars in infrastructure spending, caught fire as thousands flocked to his rallies hoping to feel the burn. We, in fact, need a political revolution. Sanders struggled to win African-American voters in states like South Carolina, and he ultimately conceded to Hillary Clinton at the Democratic National Convention. I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party 
the president of the United States. But in a crowded 2020 field, early polls show Bernie Sanders near the top of the contenders. All right, breaking news. Uh, thought this was going to happen at 7, but yep. a little earlier. Uh, Bernie Sanders jumping back into the presidential race again. He is running officially. I tell you what, this is, this is act two. Act two. And it's going to be fascinating because, as everybody remembers, four, three years ago, Bernie Sanders energized the Democratic Party. Uh, and, and young people. Energized so many young people. It, it, he had an extraordinary fundraising base online and also had an extraordinary grassroots operation. Uh, he was fighting uphill most of the time because the Democratic Party establishment was all on board with Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, and as uh, some people uh, suggested, uh, parts of the process at times appeared to be skewed towards Hillary Clinton or others might say rigged. Um, but Mike, it's a different year. And it was very easy. Then he was sort of like, if you ever saw The Matrix, he was like Neo against the machine like he was he was the outsider versus the establishment now he, and he had that lane by himself yeah there's a was, big lane he was right joe and and he was right what that it was rigged that it yeah. was rigged. yeah it was rigged uh, how did that work out for him in the end uh so uh, uh, so and which by the way the republicans are now rigging the process for donald trump it's always the wrong move it's always the wrong move make him fight make him scrap make them earn the nomination, yep. and that makes them better general election candidates. But now that lane is crowded. You've got Cory Booker, you've got Kamala Harris, you've got Casey Gillibrand. I mean, I could go on. There are 800 people that are filling up that lane. Um, Elizabeth Warren, of course, will probably, uh, those two will be probably uh, fighting for the same votes more than anybody else on that list. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Yeah, there's zero pushback. Ben Shapiro, Bernie 2020, when you want the one who the one who personally knew Marx, Phillips Renz, you know, that little fucktard that was freaking Hillary's chief of staff. Or not chief of staff, but on our campaign. Hillary Clinton, 70. One 2016 popular vote. One 2016 primaries. Media go away. Bernie Sanders, age 77. Lost 2016 primaries. Media, welcome back. NBC. Bernie Sanders enters 2020 presidential election. Complete the revolution. That is their headline. Not he fucking lost. No. We're not doing that. Quick hits, then a roundup of stupid. There's so much in here. Uh, Warren thinks they should invoke the 25th. Warren proposed universal child care plan that would tax anybody making over 50, uh, what was it, 50 million? Empath personally, let me try to find it. I got it down here. Um, Where the fuck? 50 million. It's going to cost the American public $70 billion, would limit American family expenses to 7% of income regardless of how many children they have. And it'll be a child care plan. 
estimates are $1,400 a month, so you can have 95 kids and the government's going to pay for it? Get the fuck out of here. And Gillibrand, this is not on a soundbite, Gillibrand agrees with activists saying wall cuts indigenous people off from the United States. So let's just make it even fucking worse. In this soundbite, you're going to know Gillibrand get mocked by a fucking constituent says, I'm just trying to get some ranch. And all the extreme shit. There's so much in here. I'm not even unpacking it. It plays itself. These people are racing to the bottom. We're going to find the most extreme thing because there's like 800 people running. So we're just going to say crazy, crazy shit and be super crazy. And then we're going to go into hate tweets. You'll hear the hate tweets bumper and you'll hear a little kid who tried to raise money for the wall and people called him a fucking Nazi and an angel mom trying to read a poem and being harassed by the ever-loving liberals. Fuck, these people are horrible. I don't think you should back away from the bold ideas that the, 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 the base and the grassroots care about. Sorry, oh, sorry. I'm just trying to get some ranch. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't think you should back away from our bold Let's speak the truth. Let's speak the truth about education. You know, we're a society that pretends to care about education. Not so much the education of other people's children. Let's speak that truth. Let's speak that truth. Let's agree that we have failed to put the resources into our public education system, and instead we are putting tons of money into a system of mass incarceration because we are not being smart about investing in the future of our country. Let's speak these truths. I've heard about eggs in politics, and to be here um, is really, it's, it's an exciting moment, and I'm honored, and I'm honored and humbled. And I want to thank the mayor for our time. Why should a bank get a lower rate for, for debt than you should as a student who's going to help build our economy? There's just a lot of injustice in this field. What are some of the ways leadership in Washington can influence culture? Because that seems to be not a specific policy thing, but um, the way that people perceive students or perceive education, where it used to be more service-oriented and now it seems to be more profit-oriented. It needs more than a shift in culture because there's corruption in Washington. And you, you, you think of any problem in society today, and I promise you there's someone writing a bill in the dead of night because they want to make money. And one of the worst examples of that, and guess what debt in all of America cannot be refinanced? Guess which one? Student debt. That was a lobbyist writing that in the law at some point in time because they could. Because they had access, because they paid off enough politicians to get what they want so they could actually make money off the backs of our students, regardless if it's good for the economy, regardless if it's good for Americans. And that's what we have to end. So I think you need to get money out of politics. One of the most important things we can do is get money out of politics, and we should have publicly funded elections. Um, I am not taking uh, federal lobbyist money. I'm not taking corporate PAC money. I'm not having an individual super PAC exactly for this reason. 
because that's how Washington works. And the people who have the money have all the power. And it's destroying our democracy. It's, it's, it's eliminating your say in how laws are written. It's eliminating how our democracy is actually supposed to work. The power is supposed to be in the hands of the people. We're supposed to have a direct democracy. But that's not true. We don't have it at all. Because the people who have the money, the people who have the power, the people who can pay millions of dollars to hire lobbyists write everything. They write all the laws. So I want to remove that requirement that you can't uh, refinance student debt. I want to eliminate uh, the requirement that um, you have to pay back your debt a dollar on the dollar. I want to create opportunities for people who are in public service to get their debt be vitiated. Um, I want to create free college opportunities for those who are willing to do public service, just like the GI Bill. I want to refinance all college debt at 4%, which is the going rate that the Fed window that banks get. Why should a bank get a lower rate for, for debt than you should as a student who's going to help build our economy? Um, there's just a lot of injustice in this field, and it's because um, the for-profit industries that want your money want to make money off you. These are examples of greed and corruption and what's wrong with Washington. Let's speak the truth. Let's speak the truth about education. You know, we're a society that pretends to care about education. Not so much the education of other people's children. Let's speak that truth. Let's speak that truth. Let's agree that we have failed to put the resources into our public education system, and instead we are putting tons of money into a system of mass incarceration because we are not being smart about investing in the future of our about them yep. and I want to know like yep. what you're going to do to protect them and to protect other students like me yep. um, but more importantly like those who have been here for years um, who nobody really like ever listens to yeah. well we're listening to you and thank you and thank you for having the courage to stand up so you're absolutely right first of all the issue of immigration is um, is not a monolith to, your, to the point of your question, there are a lot of very specific subsets under that heading that have to be addressed and understood, including those young people like yourself who did not receive DACA protection and are here, obviously living a productive life, contributing and, 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 and identifying in a way that, that is about wanting to stay and wanting to be protected. And I'll say this, first of all, we've got to pass comprehensive immigration reform. And that we are not, but here's the thing, it's not only about a goal, there's no path right now for undocumented immigrants towards citizenship. There's no path. So we have 11, 12 million people, there's an argument about which, go with 11. 11 million people for which there's no real path. So it is irresponsible to not come up with a plan. And there have been bipartisan agreements, but this administration is not going to sign any of them. Because we have a President of the United States who has created a 
fiction about a crisis at the border, and he has held up the United States government and its workers around his vanity project called a wall. And it's a distraction from the real issues. And it's a distraction from the real issues. Like New Hampshire, Minnesota, uh, is a state that values the outdoors. Uh, we value hunting and fishing. Um, and so I come at it from a little different place than some of my colleagues uh, that are running for this office in that I always look at every proposal and say, would this hurt my Uncle Dick in the deer stand? Um, and I would say that these common sense proposals in front of us do not. Um, I don't see banning assault weapons, right? I don't think that hurts in the deer stand. I don't think uh, background checks, common sense background checks. And let me... ...is in Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. Before her events, I sat down with the senator to talk about a number of topics, including her support for the federal government to recognize a third non-binary gender. We should uh, allow for anyone who feels that uh, that identifying as a male or female doesn't represent who they are. There's a lot of people who are in a fluid transition or they may see themselves differently. Uh, I think there's a lot of states that have already passed that law because it makes sense for those people and I don't know why we have to demonize anyone. We were making a hot chocolate stand. I was against helping Donald Trump and then I saw the State of the Union address and I wanted to help him. He just said, Dad, I want to do a stand to help Trump raise money for the wall. 1,300 something, because I want our town to be safe. He came up with the wording, he came up with the amount. Some people were mad and calling me a little Hitler and stuff, and then some people were really happy. We are obviously conservative, so we have um, certain news stations on, and he hears what we talk about at the dinner table. Somehow it's gotten skewed to think that we're teaching our son to hate, and I don't understand where that comes from. Well, I like all people. I think it's important that they know what's going on in the world, where we stand, what we believe in. It's not a manufactured crisis. It's a real crisis. And believe me, I live a day to day. Before my daughter was killed, I could count the number of times I cried on my hand were four times in my adult life. Since her death, if I can make it through a day without crying four times, it is a great day for me. These guys need to realize it's not manufactured, it's a crisis. And you're fighting, Dan, in her memory, when you were in Washington, when you talked to lawmakers, what are you telling them in terms of what needs to happen? We're telling them that they need to secure the border. You know, we tried to meet with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. We went to Nancy Pelosi's office, and the result was she called the Capitol Police on us, even though a sign in front of her office says, everybody is welcome. It's not a manufactured crisis. They need to secure the border. That's our message, secure the border. Hey, get on your fucking property, you fascist. Fuck you! Fuck you. Hold tight! Hold tight! Hold tight!
His name was Jared Vargas, young life full of dreams, planning his future, a future stolen as of June 18, 2018. His name was Jared Vargas, how I miss his smile, flying high on them positive vibes, your infectious spirit radiated for miles. His name was Jared Vargas, he's now with God, angel boy watching over us, gone but will never be forgotten. I'm now an angel mom, wishing this experience on no one. His name was Jared Vargas, and he was my son. Kind of fuck up when I slam them all together, but let, let's be honest. The beginning is freaking... <laughs> freaking Gillibrand. I just want the ranch, and by the end, with all the crazy shit you heard... She's saying we need to legalize uh, fucking no gender. I I don't know if they can... Uh, Jesus. But yeah, New York Times. We're demonizing them. So you heard the little boy. He was called a Nazi. The comments online, I won't even read. Then you heard an angel dad talking. Then you heard activists once again getting, it was really kind of cool, it's like a CS bullet, and they were protesting and they just fucking automatic that fucker and it just puffs CS all over him, and it broke him up really quick, but you know, once again, yeah, they're not extreme, they're not the fascist, it's Trump, man, it's Trump, what the fuck's wrong with you, it's Trump, but there you heard it, I mean, they are fucking extremists. Angel mom can't even say anything without protesters talking shit to her. Hands up, don't shoe was a lie, folks. That woman got to speak. And I do believe you rewind the tape and go back to the DNC convention. You'll hear me saying, she can say whatever the fuck she wants. She lost a son. It may be based on lies, it, it, you know, but she's a mourning mother. If you knew me back in the day under Bush when the guy burned himself in his van, I didn't politicize that. I didn't have Twitter and Facebook and shit. I, he's a grieving father. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. But the politics therein is horrible. If conservatives walked by one of them and called them, fuck you, shut the fuck up, it'd be national goddamn news. But we just played last podcast, CNN basically saying, ah, fuck them. The alleged. Alleged. It's always alleged. We need facts. It's not proven. 
Jesus fucking Christ. Then we got this Wahoo fucking fest. Josh Cadler. Handmade, ta- Handmaid's Tale scenes in Wa- Washington, D.C. this weekend. Photo. Dystopia comes alive as Handmaid's Tale film in D.C. These are all local D.C. reporters and their magazines. Nancy O'Call, watching the filming of Handmaid's Tale at the National Mall, particularly today at such dark times, was precious. Hundreds of actors from Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale assembled in front of Lincoln Memorial Friday. The optics were haunting, the Washingtonian reported. Uh, it's just so haunting because it's so real. Uh, there's literally nothing creepier than driving to work and seeing a sea of red robes from The Handmaid's Tale taking over the National Mall. Narol pro-choice Virginia. A visible reminder that we need to fight like hell for access of safe and legal abortion in VA in America is the handmade tale. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's make it about killing babies. Woo! Sane people. The Handmaid's Tale were seen filming in Washington, D.C., and I thought it was just another protest. <laughs> Woo! Then another immigrant died. Alana Gomez, third immigrant, dies in Border Patrol custody as many months following the deaths of two Guatemalan children in December. A 45-year-old Mexican immigrant died morning after being detained by CBP, and they turned it into, oh, my God, he's killing people. Okay. Bridget Fatesy. I have to say it's really great to see the liberals have learned that making up stories about conservatives always blow up in their face. And she tweets this, Amandi Gandhi, conservatives are frothing at the mouth over Melania Obama drinking rosé at a birthday party just shy of her 21st birthday. These are the same people who had no problem giving Justice Kavanaugh a lifetime appointment to SCOTUS. Brian Krasenstein, you knew he was here. He pushed this all weekend. Conservatives, Malia, Malia Obama drinking wine poss- responsibly at 20 years old and laughing with a friend is irresponsible. Um, also conservatives, Brett Kavanaugh getting blackout drunk at 17-year-old, boofing and allegedly sexually assaulting women. is no big deal. Put him in the Supreme Court. Brian O'Sullivan, conservatives over Malia Obama. Kavanaugh, Dezina Grimes, Obama, Kavanaugh, Anna Navarro, to those hating on Leo Obama sharing a bottle of rosé in Florida, guy in Scotus drink, guy in White House, Melania, private citizen, with good taste of wine, blah. Nobody can find conservatives freaking out. They can't find them doing anything. This was a faux as they all are, freaked out by the left. Those are all blue check reporters literally making something that's not there just to say it's there to try to deflect from, I guess, Smollett. I don't know. It was all over. There were articles about it, opinion pieces, with no annotation of who said anything because nobody did. No conservative said anything. I don't follow Malia Obama. I don't follow Obama. Any of them. I'm glad they're out of office. I don't have to see their goddamn faces anymore because they ruin the country with their divisiveness. And by the way, that's how you got Trump, dumbasses. Then on this one again, just got to bring it up. Ian Omar, Ali Akbar, Life is Good, 25th September 2012. 
Ian Omar tweets Ali Akbar two weeks after Benghazi. Always action. Yeah, there you go. Yep, there it is. It's good to go. Then the next line, Republicans calling Democrats socialists is not a new playbook. It's their only playbook. Jack Kemp called Al Gore a socialist in their 96th debate. The GOP called Obama economic plan socialist. They call ACA socialism. Do not be scared, Democrats. Breaking. Bernie Sanders enters Democratic primary for president vows to complete the revolution. Bernie Sanders, a Democrat, socialist Democrat, AOC, a socialist Democrat. This guy tweeted all this stuff, and then he tweeted, when you have to name your ideology with the modifier Democratic, it's not Democratic. What the fuck? You're, you're, you're claiming socialist plans. You literally think everybody unwilling to have a job gets a job. Everybody gets free health care. Everybody gets free daycare. Everybody gets free college. Everybody gets in a fucking bread line. A fucking bread line. A fucking bread line. It was in that soundbite. It's good to be in a bread line. Really? Kristen Powers brings our hate tweet. This lady, fuck, I used to respect her when she was on Fox, back when I watched Fox in the early aughts. I have spent the last few days mostly Twitter-free zone to spend time reflecting on the role I may have played in what indisputably has become a dangerously toxic culture. I'm not proud of what I have found. I thought you gave up Twitter. They did articles on CNN saying you gave up Twitter because of mean old Trumpsters. I work hard to see every side of an issue and also speak up when I am wrong, but I, I, in doing that, I am too often judgmental and con- condemning both on and off social media in a way that is contrary to my belief system and my faith. I want to stand on the side of justice and equality, but also of grace, and I have failed to do that. Part of grace is recognizing my own failabilities and imperfect judgment and reminding myself that there but for the grace of God go I. Yes, this applies in the coveting case. This will please nobody, but because I still believe the teenagers were disrespectful, but my tweets were lacking in grace. As a Catholic, I felt duty-bound to speak up and hold them accountable, but that really isn't my job. I also don't believe these teenagers should be tarnished forever for what amounts to one really bad day. I know that black teenage boys don't get this benefit of the doubt of grace, but I want more black teenage boys to get this benefit, not fewer white teenage boys. Brickhouse. Kristen, you to look at a group of Catholic white boys being harassed by a group of adult Native Americans as the boys being disrespectful. If the boys were black and the harasser were white adult megas, would they also be disrespectful? Not in your book. You're a fucking fraud. Ferdinand, maybe stop talking now. B. Brooks, you were doing so well. So you're not actually changing a damn thing. You don't get to have an opinion that these boys were disrespectful when the evidence proves the posits to be true. Also in this case, the black boy boys were totally given a pass, although they were the ones inciting the problem. She replies, It should be said, I have been an equal opportunity scold and liberals have been on the receiving end of my judgment, and I regret that as well. I'm rethinking my view on Al Franken, for example, after hearing from my friends on the issue of the rush to judgment. I'm often am too rigid in trying to be sure 
pure in my principles and don't leave enough room for this mess of life. So I'm writing this as an apology to both left and right and making a pledge to do better. I also hope to be part of the conversation, if we ever have it as a country, about the path to redemption for people who have stumbled and even failed spectacularly. This is where I plan to put my focus and not on rendering judgments about other people's behavior. The end. The sanctimonious bullshit coming out of her makes me want to vomit. You're an acknowledged Democrat. Your judgment only goes one way. You wrote a fucking book about how we shouldn't play gotcha politics. And then you go on CNN and play gotcha politics. Your opinion is tarnished forever. Shut the fuck up. Only liberals like you. Nobody else respects your opinion. Getting on your high horse on Twitter and talking about judgment and this and that. Once again, no. Tweets of the day. Black Democratic voter to me. Democrats need more conservative Dems running in 2020. Patrice Elizabeth Pearson. Mm, She's black. Picture comes out of all the people running. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 30 candidates possibly running. Most of them already said they're going to run. Sorry, the birds in the background. I fucking hate them. I I see like two people of color. Maybe three, four. Yeah, it's pretty white. UPS, Minnesota UPS fired nine Somali Muslim employees after they demanded time off for prayer several different times throughout the day during work hours. Good for them. Liz Thompson, this one made the rounds if you have a Twitter account. This man is a seat across from me, has taken his pants off for the flight and just in his boxers. Flight attendants seem unconcerned. It's going to be a long flight. It was from LAX to France. And I just had to put it somewhere because who the fuck does that? And finally, Charlie Daniels sums it all up as we go to a music break and into news and social media nuggets. So far, what I get from the Socialist Democrat platform is no more meat, no more airplanes. Everybody gets paid whether they work or not. Exponentially tax the wealthy. Free college, free medical care, open borders, And they ain't said it yet, but you know our guns will have to go. And yes, Charlie, grab your fucking fiddle, bro, because that pretty much sums it up. So to a music break, we're doing pretty much the same thing we did our first music break, because I don't know what the fuck this shit is. Missy Elliott's Flip It and Reverse It. I'm just playing it to get the fuck out there and laugh about it, because the Kit Kat commercial, somehow they think this is proper music for all of America. And I still don't know what this lady's ever said in this song. It's catchy. But it's annoying. And then we're going to go in to our military corner and start the beginning of news and social media nuggets. Get the know 
die like I told ya. Give me all your numbers so I can phone ya. Your girl acting stink, then call me over. Not on the bed, lay me on your sofa. Call before you come, I need to shave my cha cha. You do what you don't know, you will, I won't cha. Go downtown and eat it like a vocha. See my hips, big hips, so cha. See my butt, then my lips don't cha. Lost a few pounds in my waist, go ya. This the kind of beat that go ba ta ta. Ba ta 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 ta. Sex me so good, I say blah blah blah. Work it, I need a glass of water. Boy, your boy is good to know ya. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. If you got a big, let me search it. To find out how hard I gotta work yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. If you're a fly gal, get your nails done. Get a pedicure, get your hair did. Boy, lift it up, let's make a toaster. Let's get drunk, this gon' bring us closer. Don't I look like a Holly Berry poster? See the Belvedere playing tricks on ya. Girlfriend wanna be like me, never. You won't find a trick that's even better. I make you hot as Las Vegas weather. Listen up close while I take it backwards. Okay, it begins to get in me, which I want. I'm not a prostitute, but I can give you what you want. I love your braids and your mouth full of phones. You love the way my butt boom, 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 boom. Keep your eyes on my boom, boom, boom. You think you can handle this? Kadonka, don't, don't. Take my thumb off and my tail go boom. Cut the lights on so you see what I can do. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. If you got a big, let me search it. To find out how hard I gotta work yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. Boys, all type of boys. Black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese boys. Wine, thine, 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 thine. Girls, girls, get that cash. If it's not a five, we're shaking your ass. Ain't no shame, ladies, do your thing. Just make sure you're ahead of the game. You know, Mrs. Still super duper, but Prince couldn't get me change my name. Papa, who to can tell you, slave again? No, sir. Picture black saying, oh, yes, I'm my son. No. Got a Lamborghini, so I drive faster. Wow. Just to make the haters even freaking matter. Wow. Admit I'm the shit name, one new batter. When I drop this record here, it won't even matter. Why you act dumb like this, dog? Say you act dumb like this, dog. As the drummer boy go brr up pum pum Give you some, some, some of this Cinnabon. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. You got a big, let me search it. To find out how hard I gotta work yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. It's your permit if it's wet yet. Bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. This is 
This is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. And if you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, no pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Military coroner, murder trial, decorated Navy SEAL, postponed to late May. I think this is going to get pushed away. Alaska governor uses offers use of troops along U.S.-Mexico border. Good for him. The Navy just bought a fleet of robotic submarines to prowl the ocean and mess with adversaries. Uh, they awarded Boeing a $43 million contract to produce four of the 51-foot Orca Extra Large Unmanned Undersea Vehicles, or XLUUVS. They're capable of traveling more than 6,500 nautical miles unaided, the U.S. Naval Institute reported. According to USNI, the Navy could potentially deploy the Orcas for existing vessels to conduct mine countermeasure, anti-submarine warfare, anti-surface warfare, electronic, electronic warfare, fair, and strike missions. I'm talking like a Waskily Webbit. Um, pretty interesting. I never thought would go UA sub. I, I never saw that coming. This is an article from We Are the Mighty. I thought it was hilarious because these are all real. They show these real weapons. Most of them are dated, you know, back in the 1800s. But five crazy random things people added to guns. An axe. It was a Polish cavalry. They had a short axe as a weapon. And it was stuck on like a pistol. Knives and swords going back to the 16th century. Brass buckles. It was uh, French street gangs were keen on using the Apache pistol to do just that. Killed to avoid being killed. These were combination brass knuckles, switchblades, and pistols. The knives were flimsy. The pistol had no trigger guard, and the brass knuckles weren't big or heavy enough, but you could get your fucking fight on with that. A walking stick. Henry VIII thing. The big guy carried a walking stick that was also pulling triple duty as both a pistol and a mace. And a shield. Yeah. Actual gun with a shield. Henry VIII had it. So, eh, pretty interesting. We're going to go into college crazy. and We're going to do three long sound bites. It's about 20 minutes. But I wanted to play these because they're good. The first one, anti-Israel internship can give you credit at Syracuse. And they're defending it. Colonial mascot is too offensive. And these kids show you why we have AOC elected. Students banned from passing out Jesus Loves You Valentines. Speak out. Talk to you in a bit. Shouldn't we be teaching our young kids about Hamas and the good work they do? I think so, yeah. Yeah, we've made it into this very simple you know, thing. Hamas are terror, is, is a terrorist group, so we shouldn't have anything to deal do with them. They have done a lot of, um, uh, a lot of good for uh, Palestinians. Being a Zionist is a form of violence. Are we justified in using violence against people who identify as Zionists, even if they may not be committing violence at that moment? Um, 
Batman? And that is a tough question. That's a weird question. Um, uh, I mean, I think Zionist is a racist ideology. And so um, I am not a violent person and I don't really condone violence, but I think that fighting a racist ideology and sometimes with violence might be the answer for some people. Should the Palestinian Authority be teaching their children um, how to liberate Palestine? Ah, that's a great question. Um, Should Palestine be um, training their kids to liberate Palestine? Training their kids? Educating their kids? Um, Training, um, you know, to train them and to stop the Israeli occupation. I think Palestinians can do whatever they decide to do. Um, and whatever they see fit. Who, who, being a Palestinian means resisting. The point Norman Finkelstein does, he says that according to international law, an oppressed people, okay, living under occupation, uh, denied their right to self-determination, that they actually have a right to use violence. So, you know, he's saying it is a peaceful thing, but, but actually they have a right. They have a right to fight their oppressors. He said Israel, on the other hand, who's often charged with using excessive force, is that according to international law, as oppressors, as illegal occupiers, they have actually no right to use violence. Okay? And so, like, you don't meet any Palestinians until you serve in the Israeli military when you're 18. Um, So there's definitely a a separation. But then also, um, there's this fear that is instilled in the education system where you are led to believe that Israel is the only safe place for Jewish people, it is the only place in the world where Jewish people can live, um, and so you need to protect it, and this is, you know, and, and Palestinians and other um, Arab countries are trying to attack you, and so there's this feeling of... Oh, going off of that, um, so where else do you think like would be a good place for Jewish people to live if they choose to? I don't think there should be a country or a city for only Jewish people, just like I don't believe there. Right, but what would be another, since since, the school system has been kind of teaching, as you said, like Zionists, that the only safe place for Jewish people is Israel, um, like what, maybe if we can disperse that, like false claim, what other countries in the Middle East might be safe to? For Jews. What is the place Yeah. I want to speak to it um, as uh, as a white person in the United States. Um, I've never been to Israel. Um, I'm not Israeli or Palestinian, but I know that in the United States we have a lot of segregation. Um, the media demonizes people of color, black people, immigrants. Um, And my understanding of what I've heard from Israeli friends is that the society is also very segregated um, and um, that there is a lot of racism in in the Israeli society. And I'm just, I believe it because we live it here. I think Zionism has finally given up its genocide on Palestinians since the population in Gaza is growing? No, I mean, it's a population that is being bombed on the regular. Most of the water is unfit to drink. Um, so, no, 
I'm actually trying to start a boycott of SMS text messaging um, because it was developed in Israel, um, and Zionists use texting to plan attacks against Palestinians. Um, sometimes I feel guilty about text messaging. Um, so would would you sign the petition against text messaging? Um, yeah, it, it's... Um, I mean, I would you know, look at the wording exactly, and I'm not that tech savvy myself. But um, yeah, I probably would. Right. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, and going off of that, um, should we be boycotting Israeli medicine too? So uh, we had stickers. Or I, we, I think one of the groups, maybe the United Methodist Church, had stickers that said. I'm going to replace this. I won't replace it with another U.S. pack or something that told people, you know, I'm using this, but I don't want to be using it, and in the future I won't use it. I mean, I haven't seen Wonder Woman because um, there's lots of great movies to watch that do not um, involve um, supporters of um, of the Israeli military. So I mean. A lot of people just don't know. Um, yeah. They have no idea what the... They don't know that she was in the military. They don't know that the Israeli military is committing human rights abuses against Palestinians. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would encourage everyone to boycott her movies. Right. And Revlon. I think Revlon products. Um, I'm just, Although Revlon Red is a really nice lipstick, so... But yeah. if it supports Israel, I mean, Yeah, whatever. I mean, there's lots of better products anyway than Revlon. Declared a nation and how? So there are people that, if you look, that um, from before um, 1948, that like Palestine is on their birth certificate or on their passport. Um, so I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't. I really don't know all the history about the establishment of the state, the state of Palestine. Bye. I'm gonna call you guys. Thank you. And thank you for the help to work on the article. I'm Victoria Snitzar with Campus Reform here today at George Washington University talking to students about a recent petition that's been going around, an effort to change the mascot from the colonial to the hippo because some deem the colonial to be too offensive. Why do you think we shouldn't have the mascot be the colonial anymore? I think it's more so that like there are students on this campus who don't feel comfortable with it and so then it doesn't really matter what other students think if it makes someone comfortable. I think that like the whole like colonial thing is like a little white supremacisty, and I think like a hippo would be a better mascot. I mean, colonial is kind of a touchy yeah. word. Um, I did sign the petition. I do understand that it is offensive uh, to like other countries. I heard that you're not supposed to like wear the colonial's name like when you go abroad. It's yeah. so creepy and kind of not racial. Like you know, colonials not yeah. great. Not a great name. I think this is definitely. A possibility to see it as offensive and I think it's rooted in history that is troublesome especially in like our current political climate. Yeah, I think it wouldn't hurt. I'm 100% on board. I think they should change the mascot from George the colonial to the hippo because you know slavery bad colonialism bad so. So when you said it's rooted in history that's troublesome and it's offensive could you just explain a little bit more about what that is? Yeah well I think the word colonial like evokes an image of like white men coming to take people's land and I mean if we're thinking about that point in history it's definitely a conversation to be had. And to 
you know, be celebrating the Colonials is, even though some argue has, like, a connection more so to Americans fighting for freedom, like, we can't forget that Americans fought for freedom on land that wasn't theirs in the first place. I prefer the hippo, personally, just because, I don't know, the Colonial, like, what it stands for, kind of. There's, like, a negative connotation with the Colonials and with colonialism, so, yeah, I'd be down for that. So, would you guys be in favor of changing the name of the university, since it's named after George Washington, who was a Colonial? Um, I feel like it's a nuanced issue. <laughs> yeah, name it Obama. Obama <laughs> University. Obama <laughs> University. <laughs> it seems like a lot to undertake because it's like the whole name of an institution, but like it should be like discussed to like try and see how it can be better. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I could see how that might make people want to change the name of the university, but there are a there's a lot of other universities with the name George Washington. I mean, he was also the founder of the country. Recently, there's been a lot of debate about taking down monuments for certain things and also renaming things. So, yeah, I think it's worth discussing. I think that we should keep the name George Washington just because while I don't agree with a lot of what George Washington stood for, or, or not stood for, what he did, I think that he was, like, one of the most important aspects of why America came to be. I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. Thanks so much for watching. If you want to donate to help us make more videos just like that, you can click right here. And if you want to be the first person to see all of our new content, click the subscribe button right here. Please, click one of them. doesn't have to be both. One or the other. Okay. Thanks. Hello everyone, my name is Cabot Phillips with Campus Reform. I'm joined today by our very special friend, Polly Olson. Polly, thanks so much for coming on to tell us your story. Thanks for having me. So for those of who do not know, Polly uh, had a situation happen last year for Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm just going to let her jump right into it. Polly, uh, if you could describe what happened uh, to you just a year ago. Well, every year I make Valentine's like this. Um, with encouraging sayings, saying, you're loved, you're cared for, Jesus loves you. And every year I hand them out at nursing home, hospitals, um, anywhere I am on Valentine's Day. And last year I was on campus and I decided let's hand them out to the people I know there and just whoever happens to be in my path. So I got to campus and I started handing them out and about Fifteen minutes after being on campus, a security guard came and said uh, he couldn't accept a valentine because I was soliciting and I would have to stop. And I'm like, that's my constitutional right. Who do I talk to? Because this needs to change. And so, so then what happened with were, were they try? I mean, were you nervous when this was happening? Like what walk me through what you were feeling at this point? This was the second time it's happened. It happened four years ago, or well, now five years ago, um, when my mom first died. And at that point, I didn't have the energy to even fight for our rights. I still went through three months of meetings to try getting the school to change their policy. And they promised me to look into it. And they never did. And so I'm like, here we go. I am not going to not live out our constitutional rights. I'm going to live up to them. And so I was ready yeah. um, just in case, even though they had told me at the last time this happened at the meeting that it was not about the Valentine, that it was about where I was or 
four other reasons they had come up with. And so I'm like, all right, then I have all, all the rights to do this. And well, round two, same thing happened. The only thing in common was the Valentine. Yeah. And so when you went into to talk with them, um, you know, what kind of logic were they using for why they were able to deny you the right to, to pass out these Valentines? Not much. They <laughs> said that it would, could be um, disruptive or um, make people feel uncomfortable, you know, excuses. Yeah. And they said that it's the school's policy and they have to enforce it. Yeah. And, and I think one reason we want to tell your story and, you know, give you a platform to, to speak out about this is because you in many ways are a hero for, for standing up for your constitutional rights. And so you actually got involved in, in a lawsuit against the school. Can you tell us about, you know, the fight you're in right now to, to preserve your rights? Yeah. So after it happened the first time, I gave them the opportunity to apologize and change policy. I didn't um, care, you know, what was going on besides that. And then, when it happened, I told them, I'm not doing it your route. You didn't listen to me the first time. And you laughed in my face and said it would never stand up in court. So this time we're going to court. <laughs> so I contacted people that I knew for recommendations of a law firm and ended up with Will down in Milwaukee. And they just now filed a summary judgment. So that's asking the judges to make a ruling without having to go through all the procedures of a trial. So how are you feeling about the case and what are you hoping the outcome is going to be? Well, I'm hoping that the judge sees that this, it's cut and dry. It's a no brainer that this is a constitutional right issue, that discrimination did happen and that other, other people are able to use my case to um, stand up for, for their rights and not to back down even though everybody tells them to. I mean, I have lots of people that tell me to just, oh, just let it go. It's not a big deal. Just whatever. And I'm like, if somebody doesn't stand up now, we won't have any freedom in the future. Yeah. And I think that's the, the important message to remember. I think so many times for students, and I'm sure many people watching this, they've had something like this happen to them on a campus where they know their rights are being denied and they know that what's happening to them isn't right. But they're afraid to, to pitch a fit. They're afraid to look like they're disrupting anything on campus. And so uh, kudos to you for being willing to stand up and to see this thing through. I think a lot of universities, they bank on people not being like you. A lot of universities, they just hope that no one's going to challenge them. And they'll try and scare you. They'll say, well, you know, this is something that could never be a problem. Or, well, you know, this will never actually hold up in court. And so, again, kudos to you for standing up. And for anyone watching uh, I think, you know, hopefully they, they view this as an example of uh, a worthwhile fight and something that is ultimately going to have a positive impact down the road. So just in closing, moving forward, um, you know, what's the reception been like that you've gotten on campus from other people? And what have you learned from this entire process? Well, from staff, they're kind of walking on eggshells around me. They're not sure what to do. Um, the ones that actually know me are like way to go. Yeah way to stand up. Um, my teachers in my paralegal program have been extremely supportive just of me in, as a person. Yeah. And um, as for other students, not a lot of them put two and two together. Uh, it's kind of just, oh yeah, there was this case that came up 
And I'm like, that was me. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, that's not right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Polly, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, we'll put some details in the description below for people that want to learn more about your story and want to get more information, stay up to date. Please keep us posted with any updates you have on the story. I think this is a really uh, important thing that you're doing, an important fight that hopefully will empower other students around the country to do the same. So, uh, Polly, again, thanks so much for joining us and for all you're doing for free speech. Yeah, thank you. And happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Amen to that. All right. Hi, this is Lawrence Jones with Campus Reform. If you like that video you just saw, you can donate right here to help us make more of them. And if you want to subscribe, click right here. I know it's a lot of sound bites. Campus Reform has a lot of good sound bites, and that's where I get most of the uh, people hear these quotes and say Trump's the devil and then find out it's Obama. But I usually avoid them because I like to talk. I mean, it's my podcast, but I, I just wanted to play these. These are all good ones. Silence. Sam Vandal's legal rep claims act was not a grave offense. In April, UNC graduate student Maya Little poured a mixture of red ink and her own blood on the school's Silent Sam statue, which has since been torn down. Little appealed a sanction of 18 hours of community service and written warning, which is handed down in a 3-2 vote by the student-comprised honor court. Gina Balamuki, a UNC law student, represented Little, saying that Little did not damage Silent Sam with her action and that the statue only needed to be cleaned up. You know, just her blood and shit. You know, it's no big deal. It's just blood. Just a fucking pathogen and shit. It was an act of contextualization around a racist statue, which has since been taken down by the UNC Chancellor herself. This is not a grave offense, and this was well within the standards for the UNC community. Miss Little does not need to learn from this experience. This experience was Maya teaching us something. The law student referenced former UNC Chancellor Fold taking the thing down. Um, she laid it at the feet of Frank Prey, who a UNC law student who was on the university panel that decided her punishment and used to lead the school's college Republicans. Prey had extolled the beneficence of the Silent Stam statue, blah, blah, blah. Um, campus reform spoke to Little Case with Meg Gandela Hozupa. I believe that Maya Little should be held responsible for her action. There's sufficient evidence against her, and Frank Prey had a right to vote how he did. Frank Bay is a friend and a student, blah, 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 blah. She vandalized public property. Little received a misdemeanor for her statue vandalism, was charged in December for assault of a police officer and inciting riot at another protest. Okay. She's a great kid. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Then we have this one, GW debate. Only women, transgenders, are allowed. Organization hosting a gender minority tournament and part of the American Paramilitary Debate Association. Are you serious? The league composed entirely college students voted on a proposal January 25th at the North Ams Tournament held at Rutgers University. In order for the proposal to pass, two-thirds of the members' schools had to vote in favor. We specifically pushed for the tournament to happen, but the league had to approve it by majority vote. Matt Cryer, president of GW's debate team, told Campus Reform. One GW student pushed back against the tournament in an op-ed for the student paper. 
While the new debate tournaments have been framed as a way to prioritize women and gender minority debaters, this sort of arrangement does little to actually bridge disparities in the way genders are treated differently when it comes to the debate, Galen Ekumov said. Rachel Kane and Joy Schindel, who respectively served as former president and vice president of the George Washington Paramilitary Debate Society, wrote a letter to the editor responding to the criticism, is essential to create spaces where gender minorities can find support, meet mentors and peers, and feel empowered by seeing successful women. The people who compete at the gender minority tournaments are still going to be competing against men and a dozen other competitors throughout the year. Women and anyone who does not identify as cis male will be welcome to compete, and registration is no question asked. Yeah. Place an emphasis on creating judging space for gender minorities, but cis men will be allowed to judge. In addition to inclusion of allies, it may be necessary for logistical reasons. This allow access to safe spaces for people questioning their gender identity. La, 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 la. Okay. Then I can't believe this didn't become a huge thing. Tennis legend Martina Navratilova is under fire for an op-ed she wrote in the Times of London saying, Trans women are cheating. Peter Linnaeus tweets the cover. Navitrovo, Navitro, whatever the fuck her name is. Blatt's cheating transgender women in sports. Fascinating article in the Sunday Times. Martina promised to go away and research trans competitors after previous comment, commenters, uh, comments. Her conclusion is that the evidence of the advantage they have is clear and she won't be bullied from saying so. A significant intervention. Letting men compete as women simply if they change their names and t- take hormones is unfair. Claire Lemon, criticized for being transphobic, Marina Martina went away and researched the subject. She now says her prior view is strengthened. Sex difference and bone and muscle density and VO2 max build up over a lifetime. Glenn Greenwald, amazing. Martina is one of the history's greatest champion of trans visibility. Having hired the trans pioneer Dr. Renee Richards as her coach in 1980, she's now being vilified as transphobic for discussing entry standards for trans women athletes. And that's why I included his tweet. Yeah. People, you have to be pretty fucking stupid. Like Sue Kerr, PGH lesbian. Dismayed that Martina rejects facts harms youth and promotes oppressive lesbian bullying of other women, especially other queer women. She's abusing her status. Martina on trans athletes letting men compete as women is unfair. Helen Joyce, The Guardian, leaving out the bit where Martina Navratilova is praised and thanks by many, many women and agreed with by almost everyone with eyes and brain in their head. Folks, Biology is a motherfucker. That's all I have to say. Saratosa Police Department and Saratosa, Florida, at approximately 12.53 a.m., our officers were dispatched to the intersection of N. Goldstream Avenue and Bayfront Drive, reference to an unknown individual spray-painting Me Too on the unconditional surrender statue. Motherfuckers damaged a 1945 icon photo that they put up for the end of the war in Europe. They have a sailor kissing the girl. Yeah. He just died recently, too. He's 95. 
Vegan bride uninvites meat-eating guests from wedding. I I am not surprised by this. A bride-to-be has a lot of people talking about who she is and isn't inviting to her upcoming wedding. Not only does the woman want her guests to eat vegan on their wedding day, she wants them to give up animal products forever. Anyone who refused was promptly uninvited, including her mom and two cousins who were bridesmaids. This might have stayed a private matter, but the bride posted something in a Facebook group called Vegan Revolution, asking for advice about her omnivore family guilt-tripping her and hosting murderers. As for reasoning, the bride who's 20 says even though her loved ones were originally invited and agreed to a vegan menu, she couldn't go forward knowing they would go back to eating meat the next day. She also claims many in her family are anti-vegan and will attack her vegan friends. At least one of those family members responded saying they have been nothing but supportive and are hurt by the bride's decision. This is the left. This She's just doing what she's told by politicians. Get in their face. Don't invite them to your shit. They're fucking evil because they don't see the world like you. Fucking jackasses. Grand Canyon tourists exposed for years to radiation in museum building, safety manager says. They had five gallon buckets full of ore. Uranium ore. It was there forever until somebody found it. What the fuck, Chuck? Then, since I never did Planet X because I chickened out because it's seriously tinfoil haddish, NASA releases picture of mysterious dragon aurora rearing its head in the sky. NASA has released incredible picture of an unusual dragon aurora roaring silently in the sky over Iceland. The stunning natural wonder was caused by particles emitted from the sun which smashed into the atmosphere to cause a dramatic light display. NASA wrote... Have you ever seen a dragon in the sky? Although real flying dragons don't exist, a huge dragon-shaped aurora developed in the sky over Iceland earlier this month. The aurora was caused by a hole in the sun's corona that expelled charged particles in the solar wind that followed a changing interplanetary magnetic field to Earth's magnetosphere. It is fucking cool looking. It really is. The dragon aurora is strange because it appears during a time of low sunspot activity, which means our star is not emitting as many charged particles or solar wind as normally does. No sunspots have appeared on the sun so far in February, making the multiple days of picturesque aurora activity this month somewhat surprising. NASA added, auroras are generally silent when observed from Earth, although some people have reported hearing popping sounds or white noise when looking at the northern lights. Scientists have detected clapping sounds made by auroras, but these can only be heard about 70 meters from the surface of the Earth, which means most people will not hear anything while witnessing the wonder. NASA then released a new universe map and unearthed unearthed 300,000 more galaxies. That is insane. More than 200 astronomers from 18 countries were involved in the study which used radio astronomy to look at the segment of the sky over the northern hemisphere and found 300,000 previously unseen light sources thought to be distant galaxies. Sweet googly goo. So, we're going to end it with one of those stupid things you see and you don't want to use. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. It's usually on the side. These old photos will shock you. This woman didn't know that she was naked.
one of them always wanted to see was 10 times actors had real sex on the screen. But I am one of those people, I just don't like the load, flip, load, flip slideshow that goes on for seven years and you never really see anything. So I tried it on my computer because I was going to read it. Couldn't do it. So I finally found a video that explains it. So instead of you flipping through 10,000 screens, dicking around, here's 10 times actors had real sex on screen and we'll go straight in to our lighter fare. Why am I playing this? Because I have three cats. So you'll hear a little break, and then you're going to hear a cat, and then I'm going to make jokes. It seems the question on everyone's mind, after watching the movie steamy scenes in movies or television are fake or real, but there are a few extremely adventurous movies which have featured real sex. Yep, actors have actually done the deed on screen and the movies aren't pornographic in nature. So here's top 10 movies actors, where they really did it, 10 movie stars who actually did it on screen. Willem Dafoe. Antichrist is an horror movie release in 2009 and stars, Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg as two characters struggling to come to terms with their toddler's accidental gone away. The film takes on a whole new definition of erotic horror, and features intense steamy scenes between Dafoe and Gainsbourg. One scene in particular has been credited as unsimulated. However, it did not feature the two actors, but instead utilized body doubles for the scene. The sex in Antichrist is hardly sexy and mostly remembered for being beyond creepy. Kieran O'Brien. Nine Songs is a 2004 British art romantic drama film written and directed by Michael Winterbottom. The title refers to the nine songs played by eight different rock bands that complement the film plot. Nine Songs was controversial due to the depiction of real sex between actors Kieran O'Brien and Margot Stilley. Both penetrative and oral sex are shown on screen, as well as a controversial moment in which O'Brien ejaculates. Paul Barry. Paul Barry is an American actress. She won the 2002 Academy Award for Best Actress for her performance in the romantic drama Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball has become an enduring part of cinema history for two reasons, Paul Berry's unforgettable Oscar speech and the iconic sex scene she shared in the film with co-star Billy Bob Thornton and director Mark Forster, to create a motion picture of memorable moments. The sex scene left audiences questioning just how real it was. The odd tension between two actors was felt by the viewers. Those range from the film's dreamlike introduction to an uncomfortable and surprisingly explicit lengthy sex scene. Paul Berry later claimed that the pair was uninhibited with their bodies, but Thornton actor claimed that they were just really into the realness of the situation of their characters. Either way, it has gone down in cinematic history as one of the steamiest sex scenes of all time. Lauren Lee Smith Lauren Lee Smith is a Canadian actress. She is known for her television roles, including Emma Oro and the syndicated fantasy drama Mutant X, and she won the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television Award for Best Performance by an Actress. In the movie Lie With Me has a lot of six, and those steamy scenes looked pretty realistic to audiences. So much so in fact, that people started probing about their authenticity. The L words Lauren Lee Smith and actor Eric Balfour starred as lovers in the film, and both eventually owned up to the fact that their naughty scenes were actually unsimulated. The decision shocked critics, mainly because both actors are fairly famous and well-known. 
Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson has started his film career by playing Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter and famous role from the Twilight heartthrob and leading man. He shocked the showbiz world in 2013 when he admitted he was actually pleasuring himself on camera for the 2008 movie Little Ashes. Critics of the movie had always thought his O-face was all too real, and Pattinson squashed all rumors while being interviewed for a magazine. Robert Pattinson's orgasm faces in Little Ashes seemed a little too real to audiences, and they weren't wrong. Pattinson recently admitted that he masturbated on screen for the scene in order to make it realistic. According to Pattinson, faking the scene just doesn't work. So I pleasured myself in front of the camera he said, my orgasm face is recorded for eternity. Carla Jury. Carla Jury is a good actress. She performed well in in her career first movie was released in 2013 Wetlands is not a film for the faint of heart. It stars Carla Jury as a hypersexual teenager who refuses to uphold even the most fundamental hygienic standards of cleanliness. She also engages in some lewd sexual activities, including masturbating with vegetables. Shia LaBeouf In 2013 the movie Nymphomaniac, director Lars von Trier's controversial two-part Nymphomaniac featured no small amount of unsimulated sex scenes. When actor Shia LaBeouf signed on as a love interest opposite Stussy Martin, rumors spread about the real sex they'd perform for the film. Lars von Trier had already mentioned that his racy film would feature real intercourse. Labiaf initially said he agreed to participate in the unsimulated scenes. However, when the film finally premiered, it was revealed that the actual sex was performed between two porn stars. Labiaf and Martin's bodies were superimposed with CGI for the pornographic scenes. Carol Glissman Directed by Gaspar Noé, Love is a French drama film which revolves around cinema school student. The movie featured at the 2015 Cannes Film Festival. Featured real sex between actors Carol Glussman and Aomi Muayok. But Noé took his erotic romance film to the next level by producing it in 3D. Love is first and foremost about sex in 3D and only secondly about the dramatic love story between the two protagonists. Anna Paquin. The movie Macoop Sex Scene, True Blood star Anna Paquin, left many viewers shocked when they were convinced the scene was real. In this scene Anna is making up with her on-screen love interest, which is her real-life husband Stephen Moyer. The fire was fueled even more when Moyer boasted about the on-screen chemistry to Entertainment Weekly saying, I think that one great bonus is that we don't need a fluffer. Paquin has even admitted that love scenes really don't bother her because of how close she is with all the cast members. Dakota Johnson Dakota Johnson is an actress and model. She is the daughter of actors Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson. She had her screen debut alongside her mother in the comedy drama Crazy in Alabama and was named Miss Golden Globe in 2006. She became more famous with the role of student Anastasia in Fifty Shades of Grey in 2015 and Fifty Shades of Docker in 2017 director James Farley. The actor plays opposite Dakota Johnson as Anastasia, and the two characters engage in very steamy sex sessions throughout both movies. 
This movie is not sexy as it shows you, because the stars of the Fifty Shades franchise are on a mission to confirm that fact, even if the end result of all that unsexy coupling is very sexy indeed. I know those reading things are annoying as hell, but I didn't want to wade through, like I said previously, the 10,000 pages to get the information, so I just played the reading thing. And the last one was from Jokan Baldwin. Auto-tune the cat because he won't shut up in the morning. I don't know how this helps, but I did it anyway. I thought that was just funny as shit. A, like I said, I have three cats, but I've been saying forever, modern music doesn't exist. There is no modern music. Modern music is... Anybody could sing because you can auto-tune that shit. There was a whole thing of the drop it, baby, what did you drop it? What, what was that song? There was a fucking, listen to me. I was like, I was like fucking John Madden. Um, there was a whole artist in that, oh, baby, baby, do do it tonight. I remember that guy. I don't remember his name. Um, Pitbull sang with them and they did that whole fucking song. It was all auto-tuned. I mean, let's be honest, Kanye, auto-tuned. So, I'm thinking about starting a whole music genre, which is animals, man. I mean, I'll let Joquan Baldwin get like 10% of profits, because I probably won't sell any. But, seriously. And then the next article really disturbed me, and I put it in the light of fair, because I just bought one of their hats. Memphis, the Memphis Express. And... Basically, Hurricanes owner Tom Dunnan invests $250 million in the AAF because they were almost not going to be able to make payroll. That's fucking crazy, folks. I mean, they just opened, and I thought they were doing well. They have, they got money from, you know, all the media. It's all over the media. They're playing it all the fucking time. So that kind of surprised me. Um, I hope they make it. I, I have a Memphis Express hat. I'm going to wear it. They haven't won yet. They've lost twice. I thought with Coach Singletary they kick ass, but they're really not. I'm going to read some facts, and then I'm going to play Auntie Maxine. Roughly 80% of all voters say U.S. needs secure borders, including 68% of Democrats Harvard poll. The finding revealed, for example, that 8 out of 10 Americans, voters, real voters, 79% say the U.S. needs secure borders, 93% of Democrats, 80% of independents, and 68% of Democrats agree with that. Another 79% of voters, pretty much the same thing, overall say immigration priorities should be granted on a person's ability to contribute to America 87% Republican, 79% Democrat, and 70, or excuse me, 
79% independent, and 72% Democrat. You can't tell that by the candidates, but that's pretty much on par. Meanwhile, 68% overall oppose a lottery-based immigration system, which is meant to ensure greater diversity. 78% Republican, 65% Independent, and 62% Democrat. In addition, 61% overall say U.S. border security is inadequate. 84% of Republicans, 64% of Independent, and 40% of Democrats agree. So on the core issues, even Democrats agree until you get, we don't like Trump. That's all that says to me. Border security is inadequate. It's a plurality of Republicans and independents. 64% of Americans don't agree on whether peanut butter is better on chocolate or chocolate's better on peanut butter, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's a stupid analogy, but seriously. We don't agree on shit. That's why I have 7,000 channels. The point being is, that is damning for the Democrats. I mean, we're talking damning for the Democrats. What the fuck? So you just don't want border security or the wall to be improved because you don't like Trump. And then also a tweet that's going around constantly. Number of national emergencies declared by recent presidents. Clinton, 17. Bush, 13. Obama, 12. Trump, 1. And we have our media making it a big deal. And saying that it's unconstitutional, that shit. Two years in, he's only done one. But don't tell Maxine Waters that. All right, guys, we're here outside L.A. City Hall where a demonstration just ended. Protesters met here on the front steps to protest President Trump's emergency declaration. Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, made an appearance to speak to the crowd, and it got pretty heated with some counter-protesters. Here's what it looked like. This president is trying to keep a campaign promise to all of those people that he swore he would build a wall. And those people who want the wall are not patriots. They're not people who love this country. They're not people who stand up for what's right. And so we've got to resist this president and this so-called I'm giving you all the 
would probably venture a paycheck because I still get a paycheck. I have disability and I have freaking my paycheck from the army. Um, folks, I, I, I do believe within his base, there are more Patriots than in the left space. And by Patriots, I mean people who literally go out and defend this country. People who literally go out and serve in the community, either be police, fire department, what have you. There are more who want that wall than don't want the wall. So where does she come off saying that? And how is that not inappropriate? During Obama's time, the most uh, the most patriotic thing was to protest. That started under Bush. The most patriotic thing is protesting. The media let that ride like fucking... It was the gospel brought down from Moses. How dare you say that? The reality is we need to fix the border. We have major problems in our immigration. And if the statistics from the Democratic FBI are true, and we have that many fucking recruits to ISIS coming out of Minneapolis, we got problems. We got major problems. This was all started, all these emergencies started because Obama did DACA to get reelected. That's where it started. That's where the caravans started. We didn't have caravans before then. They realized to get a kid across the goddamn border, they can bring me over. It's chain migration. I mean, it's the worst thing in the world. Just the worst. And then this broke out late. Trump, uh, Yashir Ali, Trump administration launches global effort to end criminalization of homosexuality. Trump administration, this is from NBC, launches global effort to end criminalization of homosexuality. The administration responding in part to reported hanging of a young gay man in Iran, Trump's top geopolitical foe. See how they didn't want to give him credit for doing the right thing? It's his foe. A global campaign to end the decriminalization of homosexuality in dozens of nations where it's still illegal to be gay, U.S. officials tell NBC News, a bid aimed in part of denouncing Iran over its human rights record. Ambassador Germany Richard Grinnell, the highest profile openly gay person in the Trump administration, is leading the effort, which kicks off Tuesday evening in Berlin. The U.S. Embassy is flying in LGBT activists from across Europe for a strategy dinner to plan to push for decriminalization in places that still outlaw homosexuality, mostly concentrated in the Middle East, Africa, and Caribbean. It is concerning that in the 21st century, some 70 countries continue to have laws that criminalize LGBTI, he said, status or conduct. Although the decriminalization strategy is still being hashed out, officials say it's likely to include working with global organizations like the United Nations, European Union, and Organization for Security, and Cooperation in Europe. 
as well as other countries. Narrowly focused on criminalization rather than broader LGBT issues like same-sex marriage, the campaign was convinced, conceived partly in response to a recent report execution, reported execution by hanging of a young man in Iran. Grinnell, a Trump envoy to Germany, has been an outspoken Iran critic, blah, 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 blah. This is not the first time that Iran regime has put a gay man to death, a use of outrageous claims of prostitution, kidnapping, or even pedophilia, and it sadly won't be the last, Grinnell said. Barbaric public executions are all too common in the country where consensual homosexual relationships are criminalized and punished by flogging and death. He added that politicians, the UN, democratic government, diplomats, and good people everywhere should speak up. Yet by using gay rights as a cudgel against Iran, the Trump administration risks exposing close U.S. allies who are also vulnerable on the issue and creating a new tension point in Saudi Arabia, blah, blah, blah. The list includes the United Arab Emirates, Pakistan, Afghanistan, all U.S. allies, yada, da, and Egypt, and da, 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 and da, 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 da. Let me get to the back of this to see what they... The push to end laws and outlaw homosexuality abroad also stands in contrast to Trump's administration mixed record on gay rights at home. As a candidate, Trump was ambitious about his position on many gay rights issues, but notably became the first Republican nominee to mention LGBT rights in the acceptance speech of the Republican National Convention. His convention also featured another first, PayPal founder Peter Thiel. Trump, after being elected, also said he was fine with same-sex marriage, but since he took office, his administration has scaled back some workplace protections for gay people and has argued in court that a federal anti-discrimination law doesn't protect gay employees. He also announced a ban on transgenders. And that's where I stop. That's all they have. Transgenders. That's it. He stopped transgenders because that's what the military wants. They, you can't fight a war if you don't know what sex you are. I mean, seriously. Parker Malloy. Oh, man, this is going to be the new thing conservatives point to to argue that Trump is an anti-LGBTQ, even as his administration keeps trying to strip away legal protections to LGBTQ people. Nobody can point to any. Eric Spencer, narrator, he was not, in fact, trying to strip away legal protections in the U.S. for LGBTQ people. Where are they getting this shit? Bridget Faisay, this does not fit the narrative. Please retract and apologize. Get back to me when we re- actually see some action. Words mean nothing from this administration. Is the U.S. going to sanction countries which fail to take LGBTQ discrimination out of their laws? Jim, has any other administration even tried before? Bear in mind, the last two Democratic nominees for president were against same-sex marriage prior to and four or five years subsequent into their office. Next one, people in mega hats heard yelling, what people do in their bedrooms is their business. But I heard from reliable sources that the Trump-Pence administration is homophobic. Bridget Fazy, worst Nazi ever. I'm going to hit this hard in the next podcast because it came out late last night. The comments on this from the left are no different than our border wall. And that's why I put it here. I could have flipped it to the front. It's no different than the border wall. When you get to the meat and potatoes, 40% say there's nothing wrong with the wall. Even they're for all the issues that everybody else is for in about the same range. It's because they don't like Trump. They just don't. Like Trump. 
And because they hate Trump, they can't let him have a win. They can't let him get credit for anything. And NBC starts the article good, and they go into stripping rights. What rights are stripped? The only thing that has happened to gays is they can't serve in the military. There was less than the national average of of transgenders in the military, folks. There's hardly anybody we're talking about. What was it, 1,000 people? They estimate. But why didn't Obama do this? And why is NBC now just reporting that a gay person was killed in Iran? Why have I known for years, because I go to Twitter and see they throw people off buildings. ISIS was tossing gay people off buildings during their takeover under the Obama administration who were trying to write red lines on shit. And Oh, Bush started this shit. Bush sucks. I'm fulfilling my campaign promise to get us out of the wars. <laughs> of course, I never said that. And I'm not a Trumper. But this is pretty ambitious. And you would think people would be like, good for him. God damn it, good for him. He listened to his administration, a gay guy in his administration. He pushed to do the right thing, regardless of you want to use it as a getting back at Iran. At least he's doing something. Just like Vando Jones for a small time on the criminal reform shit. Prison reforms that Trump put in effect that nobody ever talked about again because it was a positive and we can't do that because we hate him or the media. They can't even do that. Which makes me go back to Obama. The media railed against people that for the entire eight years could find nothing that guy did right. Couldn't even say he was a good... Remember the Matthews? Couldn't say he's a good man, he's a father, he's a good husband, he's... uh, And they hate this man because they're racist. Well, you hate Trump just because he's Trump. And if you can't pause for two seconds and go, this is a good thing, you're the piece of shit. So I decided... As I always do with the serious subject at the end, I'm going to have a serious soundbite that pretty much refutes everything this podcast was about from the media or the Democrats. And I think the overriding theme of everything is Republicans pounce, they're demonizing, they're this, they're that, those evil Republicans. But we close with a great effort to support gay rights, and I see Democrats pouncing. And we were told that we're demonizing these anti-Semites who aren't anti-Semites. They're just getting demonized. So, because, you know, they're, they're women and they're people of color. Next week, I'm going to call it the last soundbite. Or I'll come up with a name, something better than the last soundbite. And I'm going to put This Is America in the background because I'm going to just play that song all the time because I'm just, just what I'm hearing. This is America. The media always says this is America. So we'll do a half-assed one right now with This Is America in the background. But it's going to be about Democrats or the media being Democrats and the hypocrisy that we have incredibly highlighted by the last two years. So today's soundbite that I saved was Farrakhan. 
talking about how awesome Omar is and how horrible Jews are and APAC is. And I just want you to remember this weekend, she'll be at the CARE Gala fundraiser. No, New York Times. We're just stating the facts. And if that demonizes her, maybe you need to look at her. Now you got my sisters in there. 102 women in Congress. Boy, am I happy. And one of them said that moon. She was using some funny language, brother. This is but Miss Omar from Somalia, she started talking about the Benjamins, and they trying to make her apologize. My sweetheart, don't do that. Oh, pardon me for calling you sweetheart, but uh, you do have a sweetheart. You sure using it to shake the government up? You have nothing to apologize for. Israel and APAC pays off senators and congressmen to do their bidding. So you're not lying. So if you're not lying, stop laying down. You were sent there by the people to shake up that corrupt house. Shake it up. My young Puerto Rican sister, shaking it up. Don't let him come. To She's just young. She just got here. Don't be so hard on her. My beautiful sisters. You were sent there to shake that house up. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums up everything, doesn't it? Everybody, including Obama, is linked to that guy. And that's pretty scary. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about the track by sending an email to foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out our Facebook page at, at foppodcast and our Twitter page at, at foptonyreed. Our next podcast is going to be the 24th, a Sunday podcast. It'll probably be a free-for-all podcast. And I'll improve the This Is America soundbite. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. But I thought of it the other day. I always end on a soundbite that pretty much sums up most of what the media and Democrats are saying is bullshit. And I think that one did it pretty well today. For the rest of the week, y'all be safe out there. Every down south where I'm at, we are getting deluged. There's so much rain, and right north of us is so much snow. So be safe. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. 
It's a short ride. You need to give your family your attention because soon they'll be grown up and gone or will be gone. It's kind of sad thinking about it. I got a trip coming up pretty soon. Either I'm heading to South or North Dakota or they're coming down here because I haven't seen my grandkids lately and they're growing, about to be teenagers. They want one. They don't want much to do with us now. They probably want nothing to do us do with us then. So, as always, I thank you all for listening. Tune in Sunday and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember. It's a short ride. Make every day count.